fine. Off, that wasn't uh, gone from the charts, but still in your hearts. It's me, Chorp, from the band Sugar Ray. Have you seen that video of uh, Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray breaking up with a dude long distance? Because he, he does, um, what's it called, Cameo, where you can like pay a nominal fee and get like a three minute video from a celebrity. Oh, yeah. And a girl hired him to break up with her long distance boyfriend. So it's literally Mark Wal- Mark McGrath, not Mark Wahlberg. Mark McGrath being like, gone from the charts, but still in your hearts. Mark McGrath of Sugar Ray. And uh, this is a message for Brandon or whatever. And he's like, so Stacy just, this long distance thing isn't working out for her, buddy. And, and I'm just like, oh, fuck. Wow. <laughs> and, he's, and then he goes, listen, she doesn't want you to be distracted because, you know, she knows you're working on your final. And I was like, holy shit. His name is Goose, and he is on the loose. Do you have shoes? Because he don't have shoes. I sung Hunter that song, and he loves it now. That's the song of the decade. (laughs) Goose is a cat. Do I have to explain this? (laughs) Maybe. What I think we should do, maybe sometime, is just, as a teaser, post a picture of my notes from the movie and see if anybody can guess what movie it is. Oh, yeah, if you don't put the... Yeah, since you don't put the... um... (laughs) Throw the child away, bird Bird head! (laughs) <laughs> I hate everything about this movie. <laughs> Allergic to weed. <laughs> These are all notes, and they are good and uh, accurate. Oh, no, you know, Gold Bond Forky is what Gold I Gold Bond Forky. <laughs> Smiley man at a funeral. He comes back. Yeah. I mean, he had big dick energy. It's fine. He did have big dick energy. Yeah. You don't have a smile like that if you're small. No, you never, you never find a naked man in the closet smiling like that and have anything but big dick energy. We watched The Fast and the Furious. So. <laughs> yeah, Birdhead refers to Findy's. Yeah. My head looked like a bird. <laughs> cobra. Pretty, pretty Can I just cobra the whole time? <laughs> no, do the do the actual movie title. Hereditary. Hereditary. Yeah. That's that's my Pat McGinn. Yeah, it's me, Pat McGinn. <laughs> So I guess yeah we should we can we can talk about the movie. Now. Hello, excellent humans. Welcome to another episode of Hate Watch, Great Watch. I am your host Hunter Bush. With me as always, Allison Eucolus, and our returning guest Tina Dillon. Uh, and Tina, you were just here, um, not the last episode, but the episode before. I just can't get enough. We did the jazz singer. Yeah, I would like to mention though that yeah. I was much more prepared for this episode because I brought the bell the bell is back baby yeah it's not the same without the bell no it adds an extra dimension it's for it's, me to edit it's later some, when it's, i have to it's volume way down every time we ring this bell Lest I mean, I any, any it, of our fans who I are could, driving and listening jerk the wheel i could hold it way back here <laughs> oh it's such a bummer wait ah go. i'm the only one with the bell big bell energy big bell energy that's the t-shirt for the show. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's our, there you go. So. You picked. I did pick. Hereditary. From 2017, yes? 18. Oh, 2018. Yep. Directed by Ari Aster. And written by And written by, by, by well. Ari Aster. Yeah. Starring Tony Collette, Gabriel Byrne, Alex Wolf, I think, and. Um, yes. Millie Shapiro. Millie Shapiro, yeah. Creepy ass child. 
Yeah, you did not like her from the jump. I ha- I, I oh, knew an it. Oh, and an appearance by Ann Dowd. Of course. Character actress Ann Dowd. But yeah, you did not like uh, Millie Shapiro right from the jump. That child's not right. Yeah, uh, while we were watching this, <laughs> like she's eating chocolate. She's staring at dead things. <laughs> she's eating chocolate while staring at dead things. Yeah. Like, very comfortably. She always looked tired as fuck for little girl. I mean, it's exhausting to be the vessel for, uh, you know, one of the uh, eight lords of hell. Uh, I mean, you, spoilers for Hereditary. Here's, here's where we give our traditional, if you haven't watched the movie, we're going to talk in depth about it. You could also wait to the end and see if it sounds like something you want to watch, but... Uh, I'd recommend that. Yeah. Yeah, Tina, you're not a fan of this movie, which just kind of surprised me. I just knew from the beginning that they needed to, like, sage and baptize the child, and I don't necessarily agree with you baptisms, literally, but you literally said I mean, during the uh, funeral that child is haunted already. Better sage everything. I did, and I meant and the it, cadence was different. And, and I want you to know <laughs> that at no point in time, despite all the meddling and witchcraft white nonsense that what's her name did, Tony Collette, mm-hmm. Annie, Annie, yeah. yeah. At no point in time did she decide to sage anything. She just kept inviting more spirits in and hoping for the best, like thoughts and prayers. I don't know why anybody thinks that's a good idea. So to be fair, her Hmm. only guidance was from somebody doing some black magic stuff. And doubt is Joe. Yeah. But, but. And she comes from a family of black magic stuff. Her mom is like trying to summon this Lord of Hell into her family members. Listen, she's involved in this black magic shit too, whether she says so or not, because she makes all those weird little models and she wills spirits into being and shit. Very Mulholland Drive tiny people. I don't like it. Yeah, you were really, I think early on the thing you hated the most was the models. Yeah. And the mom had her titty all out. I know, it's real Rosemary's baby, but here's the thing. This woman is making models of it. Yeah, well, that's... Um, her process artistically and yeah, emotionally. Yeah. See, now... She makes, she makes uh, you know, models of things that are difficult for her. Yeah. This is the poster family for therapy. Annie tries to get help. Well, but, so- like, she kind of goes to the wrong place. She, well, it's in her backstory. She she had done some therapy before, but... Yeah, I was going to say, do they say that explicitly in the movie? That she she says yeah. she, well, do- she that- did that before, and yeah. it helped her. But I don't know if it was, like, group therapy or... I mean, she's going to a support group, which is not the same as therapy. <laughs> so let's talk about Hereditary. In brief, the, uh, the movie's about a family dealing with, initially, the loss of their mother-slash-grandmother, um, Ellen Lee... The film opens with her obituary, obituary yep, uh, printed on screen, mm-hmm. and then they go to her funeral. And then events transpire that are Ari Aster's favorite thing is grief, dealing with grief, like looking at people with dealing with grief. Sure. Yeah. And I don't know what specifically about Ari Aster is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe Ari Aster has done a lot of therapy. Uh, maybe. Would we call this therapeutic work? This might be the result of directly addressing your grief head on. Head on. Head on. Head off. Head on, baby. Yeah, I don't know. He's Applied still... directly to the forehead. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so then more and more bad things happen. Um, and it's all wrapped up in what I, I love. I mean, I love me a good cult, and I love me some good spooky ooky shit, and this has all of that. Yeah. Plus, it looks very good. So, Tina, you, you don't like horror movies traditionally. No. But Too spooky. I don't like gore, and I don't like jump scares, which is... The bulk of horror. Yeah, a lot of horror. I mean, like... This was more like psychological thriller slash 
horror. Yeah, there's a little bit of uh, gore. Right. I'm not a fan of the gore. I kept thinking bit. there were going to be jump scares. There weren't. No, so. it's it's a lot more tension. It also, like, I mean, I watch a lot of movies. I watch a lot of horror movies. This doesn't play it as cheap as a lot of um, no. a lot yeah. of horror movies. Like, uh, a lot of, there, there's very few, like, loud noise scares. No, I mean, I thought there was going to be more of that. There wasn't. My issue with it is more plot-based than anything else. Okay. It's not so much the horror of it. It's real fucked up, and it leaves me unsettled. But it's a real slow start. Uh, it is, yeah. And it's just sort of, I don't feel like I know enough about any of them to care if they live or die, or, like, yeah. what they're dealing with. They're a cold group. Right. Well, and I don't know anything about them except, like, very little about Annie. Yeah. Who's the only character I have any feeling toward, and I don't particularly like her. Yeah. Well, and they don't have to be likable, but I should know more about, have some kind of basis to identify with them in some way. Even if it's something I can't identify with, it's something that, like, people could. Yeah. I don't see any of that in any of these characters at all. See, well, the first time I watched this, which was, uh, like, New Year's Day, I, like, I found their weird, stilted relationship between each other. It's a, it's a husband and wife, which is Tony Collette and Gabriel Byrne, and they have a son and a daughter, which is, um, Millie Shapiro is the daughter, and, um, um Alex Wolfe is the son. And, uh, they, none of them really seem to... Yeah, none of them are bonded at all. They're very cold, yeah. Um... She's real fucked up. Gabriel Byrne, I think, is really withdrawn. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter, which is Alex Wolf, the son, he is, like, also just, like, he can't deal with his family at all, so he just gets uh, really stoned all the time. And then Millie Shapiro is, like, a complete space cadet. Well, it's kind of like watching the Munsters, and Peter's, like, the blonde girl. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow, do I want this to be the Munsters now. I want this exact cast to resurrect the because, Munsters. Because, listen, wait. Actually, that'd be great. That I, would be Tony great. Collette would be a phenomenal Lily Munster. Yeah, god damn. Phenomenal. It. <laughs> it almost felt like he was like a satellite outside of this weird planetary home. Yeah, he's kind of the most like quote unquote normal right. one, like or relatable to me. He was the one who's, and I mean, maybe it's because I was more recently than any of these other things, like a high school boy who smoked weed. Well, I was never a high school boy that smoked weed, but I knew them, which makes him more identifiable to yeah. me than anybody else in this. I don't have any information on the father whatsoever, and the only reason why I kind of felt bad for him is because he was the only one that seemed to keep a level head. Yeah, exactly. He's the most balanced one, but he's very, like, exhausted. Right, so, yeah. like, I, and I got that impression, and so I sort of felt bad for him, but that's yeah. the most I felt towards any of them. And that's the thing, is, like, I saw that, like, first time watching this, I saw those sorts of things, and I was just, like, really fascinated with them. I wanted to, I was like, I really hope. Because you never know. You never know when you watch a movie. Are they going to explain anything? You know, are these things going to, like, get paid off or what? And I was like, really hope we find out what this is about. And you do, I mean, you get enough that I think it makes sense as a portrait of this fucked up weird little family. Sort of. But I don't think any of it mattered to oh, me. Oh, no, see, I think, I think it does. I think it does. We'll get into, like, Yeah, plot, I mean, we haven't even uh, gotten into the actual storyline. but and, yeah. yeah. Just to, like, clarify, I mean, the reason why I dislike it is not because it's a horror movie. It's oh, yeah. more... Because I just don't feel like there was enough character development for me to be invested in it. And every turn, I was like, this is getting weirder, and I still don't know enough to feel like I care. But I actually think it was directed fairly well. Yeah, I really oh, like yeah. the he, he I like the directing. Direction. Yeah, I don't love the color choices, personally. Everything, and I get what he's going for. Everything is, like, very warm or very cold. It's all very stark. It's all, all or nothing. So some of the scenes are very warm tones. Yeah. And a lot of them are very cold. But some of them are so cold and so stark that they actually 
they don't draw me in. The very first opening scene through the window where you're looking at that house. The, oh, you the, pan in through to the dollhouse. I didn't like anything about that scene. But also, you hated but, the tiny people. Right, but before we even got to the dollhouse, remember when it first opens and you see the, the, the playhouse house. outside? Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is a weird scene. Yeah, it's a weird shot. It's a very weird shot. It's on a weird angle. It almost looks like the scene outside looks like a really false backdrop. Interesting. Well, also, a lot of the exterior shots are, like, done in whatever to try and make them look more like models. Because mm, that yeah. happens for a lot of the outside shots. Yeah, the houses a fo- and stuff. like a focused uh, tilt thing. That right. Do, yeah. Um, yeah. The well, house there's... and the treehouse are kind of made to where you're not entirely sure whether it's real or it's constructed. Right. Well, and that was an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that dies halfway through the movie. I think it depends on how you're reading certain scenes. Because even some of the camera positioning, like the dinner scene when they have that fight and they take that really zoomed out thing of her storming off that's done almost like it's a dollscape it's not shot like it is but it's once the camera moves like it, it's, yes. it's perspective like yeah. Exactly. yeah i guess i yeah. guess maybe i feel like it's much heavier in the beginning yeah well and that might just be to set the tone and i, I think some of like is also there's uh frequent then, cuts to scenes where we're actually just seeing one of the models that tony collette's working on and then it makes it pretty explicit very fast that it's a model. But for, like, the first, like, split second that you see, like, the, the when she's painting the classroom or when she's painting the, uh, she's doing the art museum, yeah. like, set up. For a second, you're not sure if that's... Real or not. Yeah, yeah an establishing shot or, or you know, then, you're, yeah. then it's a model. Also, the very last shot where they kind of zoom out from the treehouse and you get, like, a cut side view. Yeah, that's it's like an exploded diagram that. type thing or whatever. Yeah. And also, you're starting and ending the movie with the treehouse. So I, ha- I have a theory, which uh, we'll discuss, um, where I think those... I don't think there's any one way... Like, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to, like, read a movie. A movie's whatever you, you know, read in it. But I think this l- lends itself to another reading that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about. Mm. So, okay. Let's delve into the plot here. Well, start with the obituary and um, the treehouse into the, the workshop and yeah, stuff. Yeah, pans and over and the camera pushes into Peter's yeah. bedroom. Basically, the family's preparing to go to the grandmother's funeral. Yeah, and uh, so Tony Collette's giving like a eulogy that uh, her mother had a lot of secrets and a lot of like rituals and that like talking about her is even weird and you can kind of notice... Um, what, I don't know if it's the cult symbol or if it's specifically Paymon's symbol. It's a sigil of Paymon. Okay, but yeah, you see it repeatedly throughout the movie. Here's where you see the first ones is that it's on a necklace that both uh, Annie and her dead grandmother, or her dead, dead mother, mom. yeah. Dead mom. Yeah, are wearing. There's a smiling man at the funeral. Yeah, I was going to say, Charlie's in like the line going by the casket, turns around and sees this like tall blonde guy just like smiling weirdly at her. I yeah. kind of love that perspective, by the way. It's from the angle, not of Charlie necessarily. It almost looks like the camera is sitting on the the dead grandmother's head. It's that low into the <laughs> casket and mm-hmm. tips up. So at, at the same time that Charlie's turning back to see this smiling man, the camera's tipping up, almost like the grandmother is looking at him as well. <laughs> it's very unsettling. It's a weird tilt up to him. And he's way in the background yeah. of that shot. Like there are people lined up behind Charlie. Yeah. He's way in the background, but there it's like a focus shot. Yeah. So like everybody's a little bit blurred out except for this man and his yeah. like very straight white teeth and his like really strange 90s hair. 
that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's also nearly the same color as his skin, which is yeah, it's yeah. a little weird. It's like it's like uh, you know you'll occasionally see like a special effects artist or something that's like, oh, I made what the Simpsons would look like if they were humans. Oh, yeah. And I'm always nope, like, oh, don't please like don't. That. Beavis and Butthead as humans. Kind of. I think I've seen SpongeBob and Patrick Starfish as Why? humans, like or or as biological entities, like not cartoons, as as 3D like, like living fleshy. things. Like fleshy. And it mm-hmm. looks great and also fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's great. Fleshy starfish. Fleshy starfish and the hot dog flavored water. Wasn't that in the Frederick's uh, side project? Have you seen the commercial where he's like making fun of himself? Well, there's a commercial going around right now where like, I think it's a Mercedes Benz commercial or something. And they're trying to figure out why somebody would purchase a car that the radio is constantly playing the same Lip Biscuit song. And this poor woman is driving around, like, listening to Nookie, like, and they just show her, like, the days are progressing. And I feel like just... this is a my brother, my brother and me bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> coming to life. And then she, like, pulls up to an intersection and almost hits somebody, and, it's, and he turns and looks, and it's Fred Durst. <laughs> and, like, that's the end of the commercial. <laughs> Truly, we are living in the mabimbamiest timeline. <laughs> Yo, remember when that Camry commercial had John Cena's entrance music? Yes, it was always, every time that, because I only ever see commercials really before movies when I go see them in theaters and I get there early because I'm a responsible adult. Every time it was like the most exciting three seconds of my life because I thought that something was going to happen on screen involving John Cena. And I was like, is he going to talk? Are they making a movie about him? What is it? And it was just they were using his music to sell you a, sell Camry. You a Camry. And Did it uh, work? I own zero Camrys. Yeah. You know what you need to do? You need to get a window tint. Just the words, you can't see me, cut out in the window tint. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Abso-fucking-lutely. Get a fucking windshield. Perfect. <laughs> I'll just have that windshield made and just hang it up in my home. I don't drive. Put that shit above the fucking fireplace. Uh, you, you know, most people put either. a deer head or a mirror or something. You have what appears to be tinted windshield? <laughs> Where are we? Uh, we're still in the funeral. They, uh, like, info dump that Charlie's got that nut allergy. Yeah, so so I have a, I have a bit of an issue just, like, from a reality check standpoint with this. I, it's, it's good screenwriting because you're putting yeah. it in right in the beginning, and it's important, so you have to lay it in there. But, like... This kid was asleep in the, the, the treehouse. They wake her up. They get her, you know, dressed for the funeral. They go to the funeral, and she pulls a chocolate bar out of her out of her pocket and is eating it. And Tony Collette still has to be like, make sure it doesn't have nuts in it. She has a nut allergy. Which a, as a parent, you never have to tell the other parent that your child has a nut allergy. I'm pretty sure you fucking get it. But b, she brought that candy bar from home. Where would she get a candy bar at a funeral? It's she, your grandma's not a pinata. <laughs> Yeah, no, that seems really forced. I'm kind of glad I didn't notice it. I, uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. About three quarters of the way in this movie, I thought they all had a weed allergy. I thought maybe that's why the movie was called Hereditary. It's because they're the only motherfuckers on the planet who have a hereditary weed allergy. <laughs> but yeah, that's a horror movie. Just as the United States is, like, on the cusp of legalizing marijuana, all of a sudden the, new, the young generation becomes allergic to it. It's the anti-vaxxers. It's, yeah. yeah, they're like... Eh. I don't get my kids vaccinated. Well, now they're allergic to marijuana. It's the new reefer madness. It is the new reefer madness. <laughs> so that movie could be called Burial Pot. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. You tried to get stoned, but now you're stone dead. Oh, that's it. <laughs> First the bong gets kicked, then you kick the bucket. Oh, boy. 
Yeah, it's Hunter's yeah. new like voice because he listened to. Oh, it's, it's it's the old. It's like the seventies and maybe early eighties like horror movie trailer voice. It's yeah. every. It's the guy. Can bef- we go back to the, the guy on four voice? Yeah, that's forties on four. How you doing, gorgeous? <laughs> Would you like to buy some penny loafers? It costs, I guess, a penny. Everything's cheap because it's the past. Forties on four. Doodly do 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 do. I love the 40s on four voice. Can we just go back to mid-Atlantic accents forever? Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Where are we? <laughs> so they're back from the funeral, and Annie and Charlie have, like, a really awkward conversation while Charlie's in bed, where Annie's like, oh, you know, how are you doing and stuff? And she's yeah. like, who's going to take care of me? And she's like, I'm going to take care of you. And she's like, no, when you die. I was like, I don't think she knows how the circle of life works because her mother is younger than her grandmother. So I don't know why she thought her grandmother would take care of her forever unless she knows that her grandmother is some kind of eternal demon. But the other thing is, uh, I don't know how to say this, but I'm just going to say it. I thought there was something wrong with Charlie. Like she was on the spectrum or something. Well, so. Well, we're all on the spectrum. Uh, so no, the, you the, know what I mean. The actress, uh, Millie Shapiro, has a, like, genetic face differential disorder or whatever. Okay. Facial difference disorder. Um, it's cleidocranial dysplasia so basically like it it's something uh like genetic that you have at birth that affects the growth of bones and teeth and okay. it changes your skull shape and also gives you a uh, little to no clavicle okay. so yeah that's weird those are like the most common presentations well that's odd i knew she so, was sort of unusual looking yeah but i didn't it was like it was, I guess, part that and part the way she interacted with everybody. Like, yeah. she didn't do a lot of interacting at all. Yeah. And she seemed very detached from things. So when she said, who's going to take care of me, I was under the impression that she would need lifelong care. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see what you're saying. So do you want to go through the whole, like, plot dump, like, what Grandma was trying to do and what she actually did and stuff? Um, yeah. So... And then we can explain, like, how we know that in the sure. movie. So, 40's on 4. Uh-huh. Well, sometimes we have to wait until somebody else stops talking. 40's on 4. <laughs> yes, sometimes you do. 40's on 4. Sometimes we have to wait for World War II to end. 40's on 4. <laughs> they did. <laughs> we are still German. 40's on 4. We are still German. 40's on 4, we're still German. Get off the air. <laughs> this is a pirate radio station. It's against the law. Play Night on Bald Mountain again. That is my jam. <laughs> it is your jam, actually. It is. I know. You know that uh, the Fantasia... I just watched it the other day and thought of you. Well, you know that that's Boris Karloff? No. He did the poses. Did of, he? Oh. Of the demon. Really? Yeah. That's really cool. That's a very good little uh, trivia nugget you've got there. Yeah, and I was like, no wonder I fucking loved it growing up. <laughs> well, it's all around spooky. It's uh, Yeah, it's super spooky. The skeleton horse and stuff. Uh-huh. The skeleton like riders. Oh, I love it. It's so good. Back to front spooky. Back to front spooky. That's how I like it. I recommend him. going uh-huh. back to front, generally speaking. Fine. That's what makes it so spooky. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real risk you got there, man. So grandma's whole thing she's in a cult they worship uh one of the eight lords of hell the demon paimon he's a like a a master of like mischief and you know that kind of thing trickery their whole thing is they're trying to summon him to earth conjure him to earth so that they will be you know in his favor and get wealth and subjugate all of mankind under his his rule. So, Paimon is a male demon. He prefers a male host, but it's a demon. They're not that picky. Originally, 
Ellen Lee, grandma, had wanted to try and put Paimon into definitely her son's Charles' body. He is said later in the movie to have been um, schizophrenic. Yeah. And he committed suicide. His note blamed his mother and said that she was trying to, quote, put people inside me. They just thought that was a symptom of schizophrenia. Um, her husband, uh, Annie's father, Tony Collette's father, is said to have starved himself to death. Um, now, maybe that was because he was afraid of being poisoned and so wouldn't eat his food. Or maybe he was being held captive somewhere. Yeah, they, they chalk it up to depression. Yeah, they chalk it up yeah. to something. Yeah, but and... so, yeah, he had a psychotic episode. Right. is how uh, Annie describes it in grief group. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like the info dump in this is hilarious every time I watch it now, mm-hmm. having seen the movie and knowing what's going on. It's super funny to me because she just goes like, "Here's three incredibly important things of backstory in about ten seconds." Yeah. To where even though I knew it was coming and I was ready and I was ready to write down like family member diagnosis, what happened. It's like too fast. For you to even well, write it down. Yeah. You know what's kind of funny? Now that you're bringing it up, I've pieced it together. Yeah. Right. But they info dump it so quickly oh, on you. certainly, And yeah. all at once that I don't think it's an effective tactic at all. It would have taken me much longer to put it together. Well, so yeah. I think Ari Aster designs at least his feature-length movies to be rewatched. Dude, you don't have to so keep you qualifying notice. stuff about his short films because you don't you haven't seen them, and a lot of filmmakers have short films. We okay. don't qualify a bunch of other stuff. Just it's fine. All right. Just talk about his movies. Um, but yeah, because like Midsummer definitely had a lot of like detail that I noticed more on my second watch, and that was more that it's like impossible visually to absorb. Yeah. yeah. Right, but I'm I'm kind of okay with that, but I have a problem with an info dump. So it feels like a cheap way to get as much information in as possible without being able without having a way of showing it. It doesn't feel like effective storytelling and it isn't effective. I can tell you right now because I missed it. Like I under I I heard what she said. Right, right. Yeah. But I didn't put it together. No, and see and that's why I think it works so well for me is I think info dumps are important and they're integral to almost any movie. How you get the information that's relevant to the plot to your audience is, you know, part of the trick of screenwriting. And when you have a lot to lay out, you know, you have to do a larger and larger dump. If it's just a movie about a guy who is average going from point A to point B and meeting someone along the way and that's kind of it, that's pretty easy to lay out because it's all relatively relatable stuff. But when there's history you have to know about as well as like mythology and whatever, then it becomes trickier. And I like how this is laid out. I like how this happens in this in the movie because it, it it feels realistic it feels like annie would get there sit in this grief group not want to talk actually really want to talk but keep not talking and not talking and putting it off and putting it off to the point where when the counselor calls on her and asks her if she'd like to talk she goes no i don't think i'm ready and then sits for a second and then goes i'm annie and then like launches into this thing it's it's been yeah. you know swirling around in her head and then she just spits it all out like my mom had my mom was like this and her life wasn't easy her husband died like this and my brother died like this and whatever and whatever and she spits it all out yeah you don't notice it uh, the first time well, i watched it i didn't put this together the first time i watched it. the first like well, the first time i watched this movie when it was over i was like holy shit what right well i was kind of like that too but it, what's interesting is the way you see that scene is yeah. so different than the way i see that scene sure um and maybe it's because it was my first watch and art, I went into art, this. Art, art. Subjective. I, right. Well, and yeah. I went into this very blind. Yeah, I did yeah. not really know anything about this movie. I didn't look it up. Yeah, I, I personally tried not to tell you anything right. after um, I invited you on to do this one because I was like, I just kept saying, it gets real heavy, but I think it's really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's interesting is I saw that scene as being very short, which feels unnatural to me. 
where she we didn't get like a lot of other story there wasn't no, no. you don't see her sitting there going time after time and sitting and not saying yeah, yeah. anything she's only sitting there for what we see about a minute oh, yeah, before she yeah. like explodes yeah the scene is pretty short so yeah. i didn't see it as her waiting and waiting and not wanting to talk and not wanting to talk i saw it as her literally just getting in there and exploding no but there's something about like the the language of film where like we see her arrive at the church that it's being held in or, or whatever the yeah hall. it's like right uh, the parking yeah. she, we see her pulling in the parking lot that kind of thing yeah. and she i think she thinks about not going in and then goes in that's whatever and then it's just like we're mid-meeting so you get the idea that like time has passed like we don't see her like go in and then sit down right no and i i get that the, yeah, I mean, yeah, time has so, passed, but if you've ever gone to any like support group kind of things that's kind of how they do is they'll have right. like a regular meeting and then yeah. at the end uh usually have like welcoming newcomers and stuff yeah and i'm sure that that's probably what happened but because <clears throat> it's not presented yeah. that way i think it feels like she just dropped a whole bunch of information at you well see that's the thing yeah, i think from tony collette's performance that's what like she's conveying that like that she was like simmering and simmering and simmering and then boiled over yeah, I mean... So I think those two things, for me, that's how I read that scene. Her performance is very good. I don't yeah. think the writing yeah. is very good. So that's where I struggle with it. Okay. Um, I will say that, like, based on these types of things, these little issues that, yeah. that bother me, I just feel like he does a better job of directing than writing, personally. All of the performances in here, I think, are very strong. They're good. Like, yeah. yeah, they're well done. You know, I Alex Wolf does a really good job. Yeah, Alex Wolf is, a, is an actor that I think is... Like he's well, already he's already done a bunch of stuff that I think is like pretty good, but I think he's going to like he's gonna go far. As long as he doesn't continue shit like to cry, he's an ugly crier. You know and that's what? okay. Honestly, no, no, no. He's more than an ugly crier. He's a Honestly, crier. I kind of love Wait, how like he's a Vanderbeek crier. Yeah. Holy shit, he is a Vanderbeek crier. First off, well, that just raises I, him in my esteem yeah. because I fucking love James Vanderbeek. Well, who doesn't? I, I yeah. kind of I just kind of love how he cries. It's but like really. He, over I've the never top. heard an adult male ever seriously go <laughs> yeah dude which is exactly how he cries <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he actually does that what 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 yeah it is the weirdest does. thing yeah. i have ever witnessed yeah it really i don't know if it's like intentional or that is just it's how just what that he does manifested i don't know or whatever, but like <laughs> it works as a super good like tension reliever in like a bunch of scenes <laughs> like i couldn't help but burst out laughing i love it if I felt more for these characters, that would have felt wildly inappropriate, but I don't. Well, because also, he doesn't u overuse it, you know? Using it once is overusing it. All right. Yo, it's make, a womp womp. I'm, I'm making <laughs> Vanderbeek Cryer fan club buttons. Yes. Yes, please. 100%. Uh, guess what photo's going on? <laughs> the best photo ever. Have you ever watched Don't Trust to Be in Apartment 25? Yes. On it, your recommendation. Isn't it great? It's, it's pretty good. It's way Wait, better than I thought it was going to be. Right, same. But here's what I love about it. James Vanderbeek plays James Vanderbeek. Yeah. But like... An asshole version of Like him. a caricature of yeah. himself. It is phenomenal. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah, so getting um, back to Grandma and the well, cults. Do you want me to talk about that more? Well, or? so with info dumping, it's one of like a couple of different strategies for giving a lot of information very quickly. There is like voiceover or inner monologue oh, or whatever. In general? Yeah, yeah, there's voiceover or inner monologue. There's info dumping within the plot structure and there's flashback. 
and that's right. pretty much like what's at your disposal. Flashback maybe could work. You would just have to really restructure the whole script. Yeah, I, don't I mean, think I don't monologue. think flashback would work with this. It would take away the immediacy. Yeah. Like, they could have factored more of this into when she's going through her mother's things. Well, but see, I also think that's or even true. If she, there, even they if they could... tied it back, like, you would catch a little bit of it in, like, the photo albums or the books she's going through. Or sure. she could maybe pull out yeah. paperwork that indicated that her brother had been hospitalized or sure. things like that. I think mm. that would have been a more effective way to deliver that information than for her to spew it at this meeting. I think I like it because I think Ari Aster is... I think because it's the same thing, I believe, in Midsummer. I think he's intentionally making movies that you will hopefully want to rewatch to see, you know, what you missed. And like, because a lot of things aren't rewatchable. A lot of, like, a lot of, I mean, you know, you may just like them and enjoy watching them again, but there's no, there it, is no, there's no I'm reward just your, for doing it. Homer, yeah. I'm just your memory. I can't give you any new information. Right. right. Yeah. I, there's a value in having the the desire to rewatch a movie or having yeah. or a movie having rewatchability. Yeah. That being said, a movie should be able to stand alone on one watch. Yeah. And I don't know that this does. No, I th I think this probably doesn't. I think if you if you go in blind like, like I did, I didn't mm. know much about it. Um, I'd seen the trailer and was like nuts over the trailer. Right. But I had no idea what it was about. It's just a lot mm. of interesting imagery and whatever. And I was like, ooh, it seems spooky. And I think this doesn't fully explain itself to you on, a, on an initial viewing. But as soon as it was over, I was like, wow, I don't even really know, you know, how to feel about that. But I think I liked it. Yeah. And we, we ended up watching it again not that long after. Right. So during the info dump in the grief group, she's also like, oh, my mother had DID which is dissociative disorder. And so when we see her later, like, summoning Charlie and getting kind of possessed, and she's Charlie all of a sudden, hmm. I feel like that's, like, an indication that maybe her mom was also doing, like, demon summoning and oh, being possessed yeah, herself be, yeah. and being, being a, a conduit yeah. for things. For, yeah, either Paymon or other spirits yeah. or, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah, so next. Um, yeah, so that's kind of all in the past. That's in, in, in Annie's history, in her, more like, more... Well, it's in Annie's childhood. Childhood, in yes. In her adulthood In her adulthood, yeah, building. she had these... She, she had a, a tumultuous relationship with her mother, partly due to these things that happened and, and the trauma that comes with them. You know, her, her father dying, her brother dying, etc., so she was on again, off again, like talking to her mother and then eventually cut all ties with her uh, around the time that she had her son, Peter. Her mother was not around at all for Peter. When she got pregnant with Charlie, her daughter, she let her mother back into her life. And, th and that's how the cult gets back into Annie's life. Yeah. Um, so again, this is like your last chance to not get the whole movie spoiled for you, but it's because yeah. I'm going to explain it. But they put Paymon Spirit into baby Charlie. Yeah. Who's named after Uncle Charles. Yeah. Deceased Annie's Uncle brother. Charles. Yeah. yeah. Who was originally intended to be Paymon's vessel. Paymon's vessel, right. Um, so maybe, I mean, that's, I think that's just a clue on a writerly level. Yeah. Like, I Indeed. think it's just that. Sure. I don't think there's, because I, I was wondering, I was like, I wonder if that's important in any way to the magic working, but I think it's just a no. clue. Might make it a little bit more desirable because at least it's a boy's name. Yeah, that's you true. Know? Charlie had even said, Grandma wanted, wanted me, me to be, be a boy. boy. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. a lot of that, like, dialogue and stuff like that that's dropped. And the old lady have, has her titty out scene. That is her mother because she had yeah. Yeah, right it's her mother yeah. and she had she wanted to feed her she told charlie yeah. she wanted to even feed you and see when you're thinking that you're thinking like a bottle, bottle and yeah. then they cut to that model and i'm like that old lady got her titty out yeah. and she just <laughs> out with it like just and i don't even know what's in there because 
She's like 105. She's Ghosts and demons. Yeah. Ghosts and demon titties. Yep. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers yeah. were in that titty. That's this, right. This one's got thoughts. That one's this got one's prayers. Got prayers. One's you a got Bob, one... one's a Taddy. Oh, you got, one, you got one thought and one prayer. I've never seen that before. That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Welcome to Bobby's and Taddy. <laughs> Step right up, everybody. Have your IDs out. Okay. Let me see the ID. Okay, the now Bobby's. lift your shirt up over here. Okay, you got Bobby's. You go to the left. All right, next up. ID. Okay. Get your shirt up. You got Bobby's. All right, to the left. You ID. Shirt up. You got one Bobby and one Taddy. I've never seen that before. That's one, That's weird. Go over here. I got to talk to my supervisor. All right, you got Taddy's. You go to the right. Oh, my God. Bobby's and Taddy's. It's a very popular bar here in Philadelphia. It is. So I hope a, people not from Philadelphia listening are like, is that true? It's on a, what, 14th and Chestnut? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's in fucking Center City. Uh, 14th, 14th and Chestnut. 14th, Google that. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Google that. Really thought you were going to say somewhere like, you're. I thought you were going to be like 14th and Wolf. <laughs> no, it's too classy for Wolf. It's a little too classy for Wolf, yeah. It's so classy, it's got to be on 14th. Yeah, the, the, the bar on 14th and Wolf is called something like the Tit Pit. Because <laughs> it's a literal pit. <laughs> There's no 14th in Chestnut. I was going to say, isn't that just Broad Street? Yeah, it's Broad Street. There's no 14th Street. <laughs> yeah. That's why she was like, Google it. I was like, yeah. Google it. Uh-huh. Google. Yo. IMDB the- that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look it up on IMDB. <laughs> Bobby's and Taddy's IMDB. <laughs> What's this? I it's an episode been... of Suits. To all our ships at sea. It's the 40s on 4. 40s on 4. 40s on 4. You boys have been at sea for a long time. I don't think they're coming back. Nope. There's a lot of expired yeah. semen on that ship. Oh, gross. Dude! <laughs> <laughs> Just say we're... How, how, how in-depth... How much do you want to... Do you want me to... Well, I mean, the, the, the whole machinations in the background is, like, a good, like, baseline just so that, like, because I'm probably going to be pointing out, like, oh, they said this here and it means this. Yeah, so Charlie, as a person, doesn't really exist. Charlie has always been Paymon. Yeah. Since birth. Um, but it's something that she's not fully aware of. Right. Um, I think that is supposed to explain her eccentricities, um, her idolatry she makes yeah. all those toys gold bomb forky over there gold bomb yep. forky and yeah. uh queen pigeon yeah all hail queen pigeon all hail queen yeah. pigeon listen Qu- i listen. knew she was queen pigeon from the gate you did you yeah. called that ellen lee was the queen they call her queen lee also queen pigeon is not a bad like hip-hop alter ego oh queen pigeon is not yeah. a bad superhero yeah queen pigeon is not too bad she could team up with squirrel girl oh she could team yeah up with squirrel girl word but yeah, the, uh, so that kind of explains like yeah her behaviors and how she's yeah, and the clicking is established later on as like something that Paymon does. Is kind it? of yes and no, but it's not established as a characteristic of Paymon. Separate from the movie, it's not established as a characteristic of Paymon. Like it's not info dumped in any way. No, about, like... but when um, but right, no, no, no. I know what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, uh, Charlie clicks clucks all the time. Yeah, it does that with her tongue. 
later on when her spirit is now no longer in her body and is in Peter's body, Peter clucks. Yeah. And you also hear the clucking when um, the spirit is theoretically trying to possess or, I guess, torment. It's it's a trickster. He's a trickster god. Yeah. Thing. So all, everybody in the family hears the clucking at some point. Well, they're trying to force Peter's spirit out of Peter. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do most of the movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like, they're Char- trying Charlie to actually... Was expel him like he's a demon yeah, from his own body yeah charlie was a vessel just just you know a, a temporary vessel a uh, you know a placeholder until they could get their hooks into peter yeah i guess but also i guess he was older so he was less vulnerable because paymon it's in one of the books but he will possess the most vulnerable person Mm. Yeah. So they would need to break Peter down since by the time I guess grandma was around, he was like an older boy and was therefore no longer the weakest in the family. Yeah, I, I kind of all every time I, I every time I rewatch this, I kind of want to track Paymon's sort of like who Paymon is like targeting and see if that is like a signifier of who is weakest. Well, I think it's Charlie, and then from Charlie to Annie, and then from Annie to uh, Peter, right? Yeah, but doesn't um. Doesn't Steve hear the like at some point? I don't. I think I thought I there was. So. I thought there was a scene where he does, but I might be wrong. Yeah. No, yeah. I, don't, I think he's the only one who doesn't. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, and then their ultimate goal is to put Paymon in Peter's body, mm-hmm. giving giving him a you know a healthy young male host, and yeah, then what are we gonna do tonight, Pinky? The same thing we do every night: try to take over the world. Mm-hmm. So there's there is spooky ooky shit going on uh, the whole from the jump. Annie sees her mother's spirit in the house briefly uh, when she's like putting away stuff. Uh, where is she storing her mom's stuff? It's, is that in it's, her mom's room or no, is that in her no, studio? No, it's, it it's like in an office or something. Yeah, no, it's in her studio, okay, I believe. That's what I thought. But it should have been her mom's room. Like, what are they're not? Her mom's room is completely empty yeah. with the exception of the triangle on the floor. Yeah, it's yeah. empty and they have it locked. So why isn't her shit there? Or why aren't you going through her shit? Like, I, you know, it's. It's either one or the other. You're either stowing it away or you're not. Like Yeah, I, I think the first time I watched this, I wasn't sure. Like, I thought, oh, mom lived somewhere else, and then this right. was her stuff, yeah. and they're, like, dealing with it before they get rid of, or they're deciding what to keep and what to get rid of. Yeah, but then and maybe Annie that's what they're doing, but... but Annie mentions in group that she lived with them before yeah. she went to hospice, but... Maybe it's all her stuff from hospice? Yeah. Yeah, so she had yeah. Steve lock the door. Yeah. And she, like, sort of apologizes to him for it. She's like, I know this is sort of Right, but that's strange. after seeing her mom's spirit, so she's right. kind of creeped out. Right. right. Yeah. This movie has interesting visual language to it. Uh, it, it I, I like when modern horror movies give me something new. Um, you know, like, Get Out made a fucking spoon in a teacup, like, scary. Mm. Yeah. Like, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. And this, you know, has the toys that... Well, yeah, some of my favorite, like, Doctor Who episodes do really banal shit, but make it terrifying. Yeah. Like, Stephen King's whole career, basically. Yeah. Is like, hey, you know, what if your mailman was very, very scary? And you're like, that doesn't sound plausible. Cut to 200 pages into a book, and you're like, fuck, I hate the mailman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's like Doctor Who with Vash Narada. It's dust mites yeah. that are fucking terrifying. And are you kidding me? Killer alien dust mites. Yeah. So I like, you know, there's the, the visual imagery of, like, the, the dolls uh, that Charlie makes. But I also like the light uh, that's in this movie as as a signifier of, the like, blue light? spirit. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, a spirit being around. There's, like... Well, also, I don't know if I noticed this before, 
but I feel like a lot of the things that involve like machination behind the scenes are blue. Interesting. I mean, there's the blue light. I don't remember what the predominant color on the leaflet is when they were trying to get her to go to. It's blue. A... Is it blue? It's the blue. The, the yellow, seance. Yeah. The yellow ring around. Yeah. It. So there's that. Um, when she spills the ink on Joan's yeah, number, blue. it's blue it's ink, ink yeah. and she was looking at a post-it that is blue that's saying, ask for an extension, and All then before she meets Joni again, it's keep working, and it's on a blue post-it. Yeah. Interesting. So, like, huh. and I don't know if that's intentional well, or not. Well, also, the, the dollhouse she's working on is blue. Oh, okay. Huh. I yeah. never noticed that. I hadn't either, and then this time I'm like, wait, is that a thing? And it was halfway through the movie, so I was like, all right, I don't know. If... Most of the rooms in the ha- dollhouse were blue as well. So, Remember the scene where she's got her mother propped up in the doorway yeah. of the bedroom, and well, it's very creepy? Well, so that's... That room is almost entirely blue. Um, I know her bedroom with Steve has blue wallpaper. I'm yeah. pretty sure Peter's is blue. I don't remember what Charlie's is. It, it is blue. It is blue? Okay, so I think a lot of the bedrooms are blue, but then the hallway paper is like gold. Yeah. yeah. So there is a difference in, you yeah, know, yeah. and then downstairs is like wood paneling and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of warm colors on the first yeah. floor. Yeah. Um, and then I think even grandma's room's got like gold wallpaper. Yeah, hers is definitely warm yeah. colors. Which in her case, it might be a subtle nod to like riches. Oh, like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Because the, the music at the end, um, in the final oh. scene, which I love the score in this. Yeah, um, yeah. But especially, I really like the crazy music, the crazy score in the final like shot, the final scene. Uh, in the treehouse, yeah, it's yeah. all bells and like horns. It's all brass. Yeah, but I thought that was a specific um, composer. I have no idea. Um, you were talking about like the, the visual language of the movie. Um, you have like those reappearing words, which actually we got one in between the awkward discussion with Charlie and the mom's ghost. Yeah, so it's written above Charlie's bed on the wall. Yep. It's Satoni. Yep. Yeah, there's that one, and there's Zazas, and then there's Pandium. Um, it, no, no it's I got it. Something. I got it. Yeah. Lift talk, pandemonium. Yep. Which means unleash hell. Yeah. So here's what's interesting. Joni says those words. Yeah. But well, she, she doesn't says, say pandemonium. Though. No, Joni no. says. She actually says slightly different words as well. Yeah, she but... says. Uh, when, this is when she expels Peter. She says, "Zatoni, Dagoni, a paragon." Oh. Okay. Yeah. I think it might have been Twelve Fantasies, number six in D minor by George Philip Tellman. Okay. It's great. If yeah. that's it, that's amazing. Or... Uh, see, you don't know. You don't know crap. Well, so there's another one by uh, Talman called Sledgehammer, but... Oh, I know that. Yeah, me oh. too. That's not that. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> I wanna be Sledgehammer! Is that actually a, a thing? Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Okay. It had a really good stop motion video. Yeah, great stop motion video. Where like no, his face I mean, like, was freaking it, out. Yeah, it's very spooky. Actually. Yeah, like, and I don't like, a toy train going around his head. Uh-huh. I don't remember that being uh, in, it's the, in the, movie. the movie. Okay. <laughs> I think it's when uh, Charlie goes outside without her shoes on, and the lady sitting uh-huh. in the ring of fire. Yes, right. To Peter Gabriel. Absolutely. Yeah, they cut to the red That's why fire. Charlie goes no, outside were, is because the ladies outside hold the boombox playing you in your saying, eyes. You were saying a lot of it was very percussive. <laughs> cool. Yo, my notes are great for this. 
your notes look like a serial killer wrote them. Yeah, I felt like one when I watched this. I have I have a note here that says staring down lotion in classroom. Oh, oh no, yeah. it wasn't the lotion, it was the scissors. Was that what it was? Yeah. I was like, why is she staring so hard at that pump of lotion? Nope, it's the scissors. It's the scissors. For the bird head. Oh. Yeah. Listen, I don't like that bird head scene, speaking of the ring of fire. It's rough. Yeah. So, yeah, Charlie's in class. She's ignoring a test and making a, a what did you call him? Gold, Gold Bond, Bond Forky. Gold Bond Forky. Um, <laughs> it's exactly the, what it is. And the teacher comes up, and it's infuriating to me how, how this teacher has to talk to this kid. Because instead of just being like, Seriously, don't build a toy until you finish your test. Right, like, like put that down. School. We're working. Yeah. No, it's got to be like, well, maybe. Did maybe? you finish yet? Well, we'll finish how about the test finish first. the test first? It's like, no. So she goes out and she like stress well, decapitates a bird. Well, well so no, so. she she sits in her. <laughs> well, she sits there, kind of like staring dead ahead, and in the background, like you know, background right. shot, you see this like movement, and then a bird hits the window. Yeah. Yeah. And she ne- doesn't react. No, doesn't even yeah. flinch. And all the kids, like, look, go, oh, my God. Yeah, they all. Oh, my God, what was that? Yeah. And she's just, like, staring at some scissors. Yeah, she's staring straight ahead, and then it cuts to her point of view, and, yeah, she's staring at scissors. I know how I will complete my forky. Yeah. Uh, well, the other thing is, is like, I don't even want to think complete. about <laughs> how hard it is to cut through a bird. Oh, uh, it's not hard. With a, with... They have hollow bones. Yeah, their bones are hollow. With scissors? Honestly, and I don't want to be gross, but like you could, I could probably bite. That's uh, the freaks. Oh, that's true. Geeks would always bite yeah. the heads off chickens. You could probably bite right through it. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and they weren't like scissors, scissors. They were shears, like big old metal. Mm. Yeah, there was teacher scissors. Yeah. They're on teacher's desk. Yeah, that's true. They're heavy can... duty. I mean, like as far as scissors go, they yeah. were the heaviest duty you got. But yeah, it wasn't yeah like, I don't think it's that hard. It wasn't like the shitty. I ass, guess that's like, true. Kitchen shears scissors. cut through turkeys. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, birds, they're, you know, they're meant for the they're de- air. They're yeah. delicate creatures. They yeah. are. That's why you, like, if a rabbit hits a window, a rabbit just goes like, <clears throat> ow, fuck, and then goes away. But if a bird hits a window, its entire skeleton turns to dust. Oh, <laughs> Queen pigeon. <laughs> I mean, that's unfortunate, but I didn't make them blame God. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> All of the birds are Mr. Glass. That's true. Oh. They call me Mr. Bird. Yeah, actually... That really should have been his name. They call me a lot of very mean things, like bird bones and big bird and broken leg boy. (laughs) They were children. They're not very, very creative. Some of them called me ugly. (laughs) That felt like a bridge too far. What are we doing? (sighs) Unbreakable. The movie Unbreakable. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen Unbreakable. Wait, uh, are you... Aside from the sixth sense, it's like the least worst thing that uh, M.I. Shyamalan did. I also quite like Signs. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I think M.I. Shyamalan's done good things. I mean... The Visit. I like The Visit quite a bit, too. You know what we should do? Speaking of our good friend M. Night and my very good friend, Mr. Wahlberg, we should do The Happening. We should do The Happening. Here's the thing. Mark is very mad at us because we had him sit around for a while and we said we were going to bring him back at the end of Fear and then we forgot to because we got kind of too drunk. And he just sat in the kitchen for like four hours while we recorded. And I then... talked to him about this. All right. Because he should will be not fun. return my emails. Well, it's okay because I am sort of, he's kind of got me doing the dirty work, but it's okay. Fair. <laughs> I can bring him back. Oh, good. All right. At the same time, we get Peter in class. He's distracted by a hot girl's butt. That's great. 
his friend had texted him something about, you know. You want to smoke a bowl? <laughs> yeah. Bruh. Yeah. But also, like, <laughs> so this and their other text messaging exchanges keep referencing Peter's Dick's. dick. Or, yep. yeah, dicks in general. Peter's like, Peter. Yeah, I'm just like, fucking high school boys, man. <laughs> and earlier text exchanges, like, oh, just wax my D. And his friend's like, send pics. Yeah. Yeah. Peter's friend is real interested in whose girlfriend is whose. Oh, that's him. And Peter's boinker. Boinker. <laughs> so between He's the two. He's my least favorite moopit. <laughs> Me moop. <Yeah>. Me moop. <laughs> that's how boinker talks. That's big dick energy, Me moop. <laughs> big, big boinker energy. God. You got that big boinker energy, yo. Me moop. Me moop out. Just making a mess when he's overstimulated. <laughs> yeah, Boinker. And then he takes a nap. He's a weird character. He gets, he shows up, he gets real excited, then he throws up. And then he takes a nap. <laughs> yeah, then he rolls over and goes to sleep. Oh, big Boinker energy. Yeah, that's a button. That's a button we're making. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I want one. Yeah, at some point, I, I decided that making all these t-shirts is probably never going to happen, but buttons we could definitely make, so I'm definitely going to... All the t-shirt ideas, I think, are now button ideas. Uh, Steve oh. gets a phone call yeah. about uh, the cemetery where Grandma's buried being desecrated. We only hear, you know, his half of the phone call, and then when Annie asks him, hey, what's up? He's like, oh, it's uh, some, uh, you know, billing thing. It doesn't matter. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, that's a lie. And then he asks her, like, hey, where, where are you headed? And she goes, oh, to a movie. I was like, oh, that's also a lie. Yeah. Um, that's when she goes to the grief counseling. I mean, which is, I mean, it's, you know, they're both helpful. They're, they're white lies. It's just well, it's trying to spare your partner from, you know, whatever. Right, but it, it's interesting because while that should show something about the relationship the only thing it does is it reinforces the distance between them yeah i definitely feel that yeah where she can't tell him that she needs support and he doesn't want to tell her anything that may upset her because i think he gets the idea that she's going to go off the rails right mm -hmm. yeah he figures like she's at a very delicate time right now right. and she has a history of like not being super well mentally mm -hmm. which we get uh, we get more of, like, she, throughout the movie, drops bits and pieces of her personal backstory, um, which involves, she has, uh, she sleepwalks, she has, uh, Somnambulism. Somnambulism. Yeah, I was like, I know it's up there. Notably, one time, sleptwalked into the room that Peter and Charlie were sharing and covered both of them and herself in lighter fluid and woke herself up uh, trying to strike a match. Um, Peter also woke up, saw all three of them covered in lighter fluid and freaked out. It was paint thinner, but yeah. Paint thinner, yes, I'm sorry. Paint she's thinner. an artist, so yeah. it was close at hand. Yeah. Yeah, but she's lighter fluid later, which always threw me off. Yeah, that's true. But um, yeah, it's paint thinner. Uh, they're all covered in the paint thinner, and she strikes a match and wakes up, and Peter wakes up, and their relationship since then has apparently been very strained. Yeah. Understandably, when you think your mom tried to cook. I mean, right. also, that might have been, like, uh, an instinctual thing on Annie's part. Because yeah. uh, to keep her ki her mom from getting her kids or yeah. her. I mean, like, that's the thing is, yeah. th this is very, there's a lot of, like, oh, that might mean any number of things. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, this is uh, Annie at the grief group, which we talked about. And she talks about being blamed for stuff, and the group leader is, like, blamed for what and she's like i don't even know yeah she 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 has this line of like i am blamed yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure how to read that with like what we know of the story yeah it might just be that like uh subjective thing of like you're always the the 
hero of your own story. Well, that's so. the th- that's the thing that ties into my theory that we'll get to at the end. Okay. Um, well, I I mean I read it as a, as a couple things. I read it as like a weird mother's guilt, sure. sort of like she brought her kids into this family family and it's all this kind hereditary of history. Yeah, it's all broken all around. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also I think she feels like also a maybe a daughter's guilt. Like her mother never seemed to. I get the impression that her mother never really seemed to care much about her. Um, yeah, well, also, she says she wanted to be a tomboy, or that she was a tomboy when she was a right. c- girl, and that maybe might have been in response to, like, her brother getting more attention. Yeah, well, and her, oh, I think she was trying to, when, well, she said that in response to Charlie saying she wanted me to be a boy. Yeah. And then Annie said, well, I was always a tomboy when I was a little girl. Right. Trying to, I think, make... One, Charlie feel better about that right. feeling because she could identify with it. Two, sort of reinforcing that idea of like she wanted her mother to pay attention to her and her mother wasn't. Yeah. And her mother only seemed to care about the brother and then the brother was kind of a lost cause in all this. Right. The father was a lost cause. And then the mother cared predominantly about Peter because she talks about how she didn't want to be a mother. She wasn't ready to be a mother. She did everything to try and miscarry. But her mother insisted that she keep Peter. And then once they broke off that relationship, the mother only cared about Charlie. Yeah, because she yeah. wasn't around for the right. rest of Peter's, uh, the rest of her pregnancy with Peter or his, you know, early years. So, it wasn't around again yeah. until Charlie. I think yeah. it's sort yeah. of like the way a child blames themselves for their parents' divorce. Yeah, maybe. It's like, I think it's two-parter. I think it's like... She blames herself for her mother not wanting to pay attention to her, not wanting to care about her, mm-hmm. and caring about everybody else in sure. her life, but also the fact that she has brought children into this family that's so broken. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that tracks, yeah. and tracks with the themes. This is, we get a, a real brief thing of Charlie uh, working on her toys, whatever you want to call them, and the blue light draws her attention out the window, and she goes outside, and there's a naked woman, I think, sitting in a circle of fire. It's hard to see. Oh. It's shot from a distance away. You're not really sure of, like, the shape. It doesn't really matter. But, yeah, somebody is sitting surrounded by fire out on the, like, perimeter of the property. Yeah, well, I mean, like, slightly before, that's when uh, Peter gets invited to a party. But, but yeah, like, so in, I was going to say, in the middle of that, Peter got invited to a party. He goes to try to talk to his mom and act super cash about wanting to go to this party. No big deal. They are super resentful of each other. That's how I always read their interactions. Yeah. They, they don't like each, like, they they, they maybe want to like each other the way, like, quote, unquote, a mother and son, quote, unquote, should. Like, you know, that kind of thing. But they just, they, they don't. So I think he, when we find out, you know, her whole backstory thing, I think he resents that she tried to kill him with fire. Yeah. And I think she resents him resenting her. Oh, you don't believe me. It was just me sleepwalking. Like, you should believe me. I'm your mother or whatever. And that, that, that strain in their relationship is super present in their interactions. Throughout the movie, especially, like, in this scene. Yeah. I also think he doesn't trust her, which is a major problem. Yeah. He just yeah. doesn't trust his own mother. Right. But also, I think him and Annie are more similar than they realize. Sure. Because Annie seems to dote a little bit more on Charlie, because Charlie is the child she wanted. And I think Peter kind of picks up on that. I mean, it also might be competition- with mm-hmm. her own mother could be being like well no this is my child like you're paying my child all this attention but she's my child mm. yeah you know? yeah sort of like divorced parents well, yeah yeah and she yeah. 
she does say, like, "Oh, you're getting this much parenting from this other source." Well, I'm going to parent even harder. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, even when they have that talk, and the grandmother had just passed away, mm-hmm. and Annie says, "Do you want to cry about it? You never cry, whatever." And Charlie just says, "Who's going to take care of me?" We, yeah. we mentioned that before. I think that reinforces that. Yeah. yeah and he's that's like, true. "Why would you say that? Like, I'm going to take care of you. I'm your mother." Like right. she, you can see it on her face. She's bothered by that, and that probably the way that relationship had been all along. Right. Peter's at that age where he's just absolutely insufferable. Teenagers like, are a bad idea, and we should have stopped them a long time ago. <laughs> Put an yeah. end to them. But it's yeah, like, it's... oh, I'm going to a party. And she's like, oh, so you're not eating here? And he's like, no, I was, I was going to eat here. It's just, I was just going to hang out. She's like, oh, no drinking. Yeah. And well, he's like... He tells her it's a school barbecue. She doesn't say no drinking. They have the most irritating conversation yeah. at this moment. Yeah, she has... Because they have yeah, a whole conversation. Will you be drinking or will there be drinking? Will there Will there be drinking is yeah. what she says. Or he will says, there be alcohol or something. He says, we're not even old enough to buy alcohol if we wanted to. And she's like, let's not answer She's like, that's question. a crock, but like... Right, and then she asks Are the you going again. to be drinking? But they both have this interaction in which they are questioning each other's questions yeah they're they're both being petulant kids about right they're both being children neither of them is asking a direct question or providing a direct answer to anything and it all feels real like flim flammy it feels like a useless conversation well what it, it illustrates is that you know distance between them and it helps reinforce the relationship I think it's laying groundwork so that her freak out at the dinner table later doesn't seem totally out of, like, left field. I feel like it does still a little bit, though. I mean, I think you see her, like, ramp up. That It's a, it's a big, it's it goes to 11 moment. Right. I mean, he, I mean, I got, I gathered he didn't really trust her. And I gathered they were not close. Yeah. But she explodes in a way where I do think she's kind of out of line. I think she's starting to imagine a, re- a, a tension between them that actually doesn't exist because of her bitterness about Charlie's death. That's what I mean. Like, this conversation shows that there's this resentment. It's not just that he's a moody teenager or whatever. It's that, like, both of them are really, like, pushing each other. Um, and that she's just as, you know, moody and shitty as he is. Or, and, you know, she's treating this, like, just as immaturely as he is. Yeah, I think they are two peas in a pod, those yeah. two. They're very similar characters so the culmination of that is that peter's gonna take charlie to this party which he does and they get there and it's a kind of a swanky pad there's a lot of fucking kids there whoever the hell's parents house this is they have like a lot of art tina was saying that like she's like who has a party in an (laughs) art gallery i was like who has establishing shot is like a stark hallway it's white or like an off-whitey color it's got like runner lights yeah like it ha- along it's gallery the floor. lit yeah. yeah it's gallery lit and then it just has like one painting framed at the end of it it looks exactly like a fucking art gallery well, yeah and the, the painting is the size of the wall pretty much it's yeah, almost it's a huge. floor-to-ceiling painting yeah, yeah. And there's three more paintings you see before you enter an actual yeah, living room. as it pans, you're like, okay, this is an art gallery. Oh, no, it's somebody's fucking living well, room. Well, and then there's that douche who doesn't know what to do with his arms. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, enters scene left or whatever. <laughs> well, and, like... Yeah, he's just, like, making... He's, like, telling somebody to steal second base. Like, yeah, like, his, he just can't keep his arms down. Yeah. And he's got to make all these wild gestures about all his bros walking in the party. It is so stupid he's an extra yeah that's what they that's what they're well, paying him for emphasis on the word extra, extra. Yeah, he he's was an, an extra, extra extra read all about it 40's <laughs> on four <laughs> on four 40's on four hey you in the back there put your fucking arms down yeah, he like can't control himself they're all yeah. over the place yeah but big blinker energy over here at the party meat boop 
he's so distracting to me that like I couldn't help but burst out laughing because this also feels like one of those scenes you ever watch like a behind the scenes and they have the like the club scene where everybody's dancing but there's no music playing because oh, yeah. they haven't put the track yeah, in. Yeah, it just uh-huh. sounds like fucking like an army marching. Right, and you just hear a bunch of like clothes <laughs> shuffling and, and shoes, yeah, and hitting, shoes the hitting the floor. Yeah. I feel like I could hear that looking at this. Yeah. Because it just felt so like you know when I found out they didn't done. actually play music in the background of like party scenes in movies uh, was a behind the scenes featurette on the film Can't Hardly Wait. I think that's where oh. I found that out too, and yeah? that's exactly the thought I was having. High five! Yeah, yeah, they were like yeah, and they showed like them filming a scene, right. and then you in just the hear party? all the feet stomping as people quote unquote dance, and right. you just hear all the jackets ruffling yeah. and shit. And I was just like, oh, they don't just play music. I was like, I know they don't just. It's not live music. It's not. Right. Live yeah. sound, but yeah. I figured they just played music for people to dance to. Yeah, no, and then they, they just so dubbed it's not it over. Like weird right. and well, awkward. And but, it, yeah. but I was like, no, I guess it's super weird and awkward. Which as as soon as I saw that, my goal in life was to write a movie that's set primarily at a party, <laughs> just so I had to make all my friends fucking awkwardly dance to well, no music. The best, once you realize that that's what's happening, like, once you realize that they don't play music during those scenes, every scene you watch now with people dancing... That's all I think about. Well, yeah, because they're not... Everybody's, like, offbeat yeah. or, like, not at all in rhythm. Yeah. With each other which or is, the song. Right, which is nuts, because I'm like, at least if you had a song playing... It's not right. the song you're going to use. There, at least Everybody they would be, be in rhythm with each other. Up. Right. Yeah, I just don't get it. I don't either. Yeah, now I watch it and I'm like, oh. like, And there there are some movies where you can super tell. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know if it's like a better quality of extra or like better editors that can make it look, like make it work. But there are some movies where it's like, oh, this, this all looks pretty straight, pretty realistic. And there are other movies where I'm just like, everybody in here is in their own fucking planet. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, it's like those silent raves. Yeah. <laughs> Except nobody's moving in rhythm. If I was a rich suburban kid starting a garage band, we'd be a silent band where, like, every time you come to the show, you buy a ticket, you get a pair of headphones, and we just play directly (laughs) into your headphones. I mean... And there's no fucking noise violation. What's kind of cool it's about a fuck, it? It's like I a, mean, it's a fucking rock band drum kit where, like, <laughs> where like live, it just sounds like tap 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 tap. That's that's kind of interesting, though. Well, what is kind of cool about it is if you do it right, everybody could still have a conversation in a club if you take your headphones off. Makes that sense. That is very cool. Right. I like that now, and that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this bougie party. It's not that bougie. It's well, I mean, I think it's clear that these people have money, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, their house is money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as we kind of discussed, like, maybe Gabriel Byrne is a therapist and and Tony Collette's an artist with a whole fucking giant room, you know, devoted to her models and things. She buys a lot of art supplies. Yes, she does. Yeah. They're expensive. Oh, yeah. yeah, Art supplies are, it's a no joke. I mean, she already has trash art. Yeah, the Archer Gallery pops up from time to time throughout this. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Leaving her messages or texting her to be like, hey, we just want to see how the gallery show is coming along, blah, blah, blah. But so, I mean, like, she is a working artist and she has probably already done a couple of shows yeah their house has one some yeah. like show pieces uh in it other models different styles that kind of like show you know her works like evolution mm-hmm. like there's one that's just kind of what she's doing which is like a realistic model of a house and it's lit up from inside it's just you know whatever but there's another one where it's at the base a house, of the stairs yeah there's yeah. a house built you know on ground on dirt you know whatever but with a house buried underneath it and underneath that further down a third house um, which I think is like I think it was also used in like promotional materials maybe 
but I think like it's that. very representative of the concept of like hereditary yeah. and like building on top of, you know, this decrepit building and then yeah. a new thing, a new mm-hmm. structure on top of that. And then another one on top of that. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, that's her art. I don't know if it's necessarily supposed to be, but it seems like it is. They're at this party. Uh, Peter wants to go smoke weed with the girl whose ass he was admiring in class. He's um, a crack addict. When he... <laughs> that's not bad. That's wow. not bad. It's not half bad. So when Peter walks up to this girl, A, it's like a hilariously stupid, awkward teenage conversation where he's like, oh, wow, hey. He's been standing like, there looking at her for so long yeah, before he goes, she fucking whoa, saw hey. Him. Yeah, and he goes, whoa, hey. Uh, you're the... She's like, hi. And he's like, how's the party? And she's got a good line here where she's like, why? Are you want to see if you should come? And he's and- like, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then Peter wants to go smoke weed with this girl. And she goes, cool, the other room is a bomb. And he goes, sick. And then he's like, hey, Charlie, stay out here. Charlie doesn't know anyone, and they're all older than her. And Last thing, too, is when they first enter the party, you see these girls in the kitchen preparing cake and chopping up a big pile of nuts. Yeah. Huge. What's so then, funny is, yeah. because I had missed the nut allergy part of this, I thought it was just like a weed cake. And so I thought that's why she was freaking oh. out. Oh. So, like, the whole thing took a totally different turn for me. That's definitely, right. yeah, that's why you thought yeah. they were allergic to weed. That makes right. a lot of sense. Because okay. yeah. then I said, I was like, I don't know that that's chocolate cake. And you were like, it's not just chocolate cake. I was like, oh, so it's weed cake. That's yeah, what uh-huh. I thought. Your weird comment. That was a weird comment. <laughs> Led her down a whole other path. Rabbit hole. Tina's like, I thought this movie was about aliens. <laughs> I thought they all were allergic to weed. Also, April 20th, she's got an allergy, pot. and he eventually he has a panic attack at school right, smoking yeah. weed. That part yeah. I kind of figured was yeah. the case. But yeah. it was funny because that's why I tied the two together. He was mm-hmm. smoking weed and couldn't breathe, and I thought she ate the weed cake. Meat more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, Peter's like, oh, look, they're like icing the cake now. Uh, and he's like, look, there's cake. And she's like, you know, he's like, they're giving out chocolate cake. She's like, not to everybody. He's like, yes, just go stand there. They will give you cake. Which they do. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, that is how it, parties it's a party, work. Yeah. yeah is hey, like... listen, I'm on I'm on Charlie's side at this one. I'm like, I'm not fucking going. I don't know who they are. I'm not going to ask them for cake. And Charlie eats this chocolate cake full of walnuts and has an allergic reaction. And since I guess the whole family's idiots, like, she doesn't travel everywhere with an EpiPen, like, all the time. Right. But also, she ate that whole piece of cake. Like, how do you not know you can't eat that? If I bite, if I have a nut allergy and I bite into a chocolate cake and it has anything in it, I'm gonna be like, bleh, bleh, bleh. "What right. is this? Oh, also, it's a nut." You can oh, see I'm... the nuts in the cake. I would imagine so. Yeah, I mean, you... I've always been able to see nuts. You have like a, a moderate these nuts. A mild Don't wink at me. Don't you fucking wink at me, Bush. <laughs> you have a mild to moderate seafood allergy, right? Shellfish. Yes, shellfish. Yeah. Um, where it's not like it's going to send you into anaphylaxis, but, like, you probably shouldn't eat it. No, see, to be fair, I haven't had it in so long that I don't know. But I did have lobster. Like, I, I've gotten it from everything, which sucks, because I used to really love crab cakes. But I did have lobster one time, and I'm pretty sure my throat started to close up. But not, not like I have to go to the hospital, but just like, oh, my throat feels weird. And I just stopped eating it. Okay. And it, you know, went away after a while. Yeah. But that was the last time I ate any shellfish or whatever, because I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I just I'm, I just don't get, like, taking a second bite of this cake. 
this obviously highly suspect. Right, she like yeah, man. practically yeah, finished it. Girl, it is studded it with walnuts. Yeah, it was a girl right. chopping them with a, a a knife. They weren't putting them in like a food processor where they're gonna no, come out like mean. powder fine well, and, and mix like into the batter, like almond yeah. flour or whatever. Yeah. She didn't know it. Also, I don't understand what high school party you would go to where people are drinking and getting high, where they are baking. Nope. No. Yeah, been to yeah. them. Yeah, a chocolate cake with walnuts. I mean, uh, not specifically a chocolate cake with walnuts, so, but cake, okay. yes. Dude, Some of the central yeah. high kids yeah. have... Yeah, uh, well, that sounds right. Big old parties where, like, and then also we're making <laughs> fucking hors d'oeuvres or cake or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, we don't just have to drink in a pit somewhere? I'm not going to go uh, pee in a ditch? This house has electricity and running water and heat? Ooh, what yeah, am I, I a king? <laughs> Is it my birthday? Big I'd king have... energy. Big king energy. <laughs> Anytime I or you would have parties, there would be like a button with Larry King on it. Because well, also, yes. it helps keep your friends from being like well, drunk assholes. Right. I always made a conscious effort in college when I had parties that there was enough food to keep people from vomiting all over my house. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was champagne. It's fine. It came right up. Yeah. Any fucking. All right. Oh God, yeah, so like... anyway, she eats his fucking cake. Yes. And uh, her throat starts to close up, which was a surprise to me. <laughs> it also, it acts, she acts like it's a surprise to her. Like that's gonna happen. I just don't right. get. Whatever. We're nitpicking well, this dumb thing, but like, I mean, not only it's just that, crazy. But like, I just don't get not having the epipen in the car. In the car, just in the glove box or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. But but I, also, get, I, mean, I also like... know they're expensive, but I also know this family has money. So she eats the shit, starts having a, an allergic reaction. She goes into the bedroom where Peter and some kids are smoking weed. And he hilariously <laughs> has just taken a giant bong hit. Right. And he's like, <sighs> she comes in, he's like, <clears throat> and just like coughs and, you know, carries her out, throws her in the back of the backseat of the car and starts driving. Yeah, he's like, we're going to go to the hospital. Like wheezing, man. It's awful. Yeah, okay, it's so, terrible. Um, listening to people who can't breathe is one of my biggest, like, anxiety triggers yeah. we're here now how are we friends i mean i have never breathed well in my life no no, no. it's that like uh-huh <laughs> that gasping wheezing yeah. i can't you did say you were holding you said you had some of your anxiety meds with you so. oh yes yeah i do got to mention when they were driving to party the pole that they passed by has the uh symbol of payment on it yes i Carved did see that it, yeah. yeah so then we're driving to the hospital yeah um and they pass back by this pole but what happens is peter's freaking out and so he is like gunning it he's getting up to like 70 80 miles an hour yeah and um, charlie's in the back like clawing at her throat yeah and like yeah it's open so she like sticks her head out then uh also for the for the year that it was put out in it won some like the most intense sequence horror sequence and for like 2018 it was the decapitation scene in Mm. hereditary cool so she gets decapitated yeah (laughs) We couldn't get there uh. until, till like... We're there. Yep. Uh, yeah, so it's a goat, I guess, in the I road. Don't know. So, I've I mean, never been able to actually tell what it is. It's, it's, it's dog-sized it's, goat Yeah, size. it's, it's roadkill. A goat would be interesting because... Of the demonic... The yeah, demonic yeah. imagery. And, Which, and obviously this whole thing has been orchestrated. This oh, death totally. is orchestrated. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... That would be kind of interesting if there's this, like, sacrificial-type goat in the middle of the road. He swerves. The passenger side, you know, passes right by the pole, and Charlie's got her head out, and it takes her head right off. 
It's super brutal. Peter stops the car. Yeah. And is just like hyperventilating behind the wheel. And we're watching his face for yeah. a long time. He just looks Very like he's about time. to explode. And then he's like starting to look up into the rearview mirror and then can't do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's that he's in shock. He is. But like he drives home and goes to bed with her body in the back seat of oh, the yeah. car. Does nothing, tells no one. No, he just, because it's the middle of the night. Theoretically, like his parents are asleep by the time, you know, he gets back. And then, yeah, it goes in, and then we see him in the morning, still just laying there awake. Listening <laughs> to his mom, saying she's going to go out for a few minutes. More art supplies. Mm-hmm. I got some art supplies. Really, really expensive. I'll be back yeah. in 20 minutes. And then just fucking horrified screaming. Yeah. How does your brain just not break? I mean, we cut to, like, Annie and Steve in their bedroom, and she's just on the floor, just sobbing, going, I want to die. I want right. to die. I think it's very interesting that there is really no acknowledgement to Peter after this happens. Now, there's, there's an no assumption. Scene, yeah. I feel there's like, an assumption yeah. that that conversation occurred. Right. But the scene never happens. Well, I think in get... fitting with the family's dynamic, showing that scene would be too directly addressing the problem. Right. That's true. <laughs> Which yeah. the family does not do. Right. Yeah. It's also kind of unrealistic to me that this wouldn't raise an eyebrow legally with anyone it doesn't look like there's foul play no i just think it's it's and an it's unusual yeah, it's, story it's too bizarre it for it to be foul play on the face of it you know there should have been some sort of like inquest. scene uh scene yeah. of uh, gabriel byrne fucking chewing the scenery and being like hey hey i know kaiser soze <laughs> it just feels strangely pushed to the side like we have to get this death out of the way so we can move on with the plot it's yeah like, well i think right, i think there's but... a very specific feeling of unreality that works with this film that's true well that's another dollhouse-esque shooting is like during the actual funeral we follow the coffin down under the turf yeah which kind of mimics the that multi-layered house on house on house structure right which i i i've i've said this every time i've told anybody about this movie like ari aster follows up the most shocking thing in this fucking crazy movie this decapitation Mm -hmm. with like four incredible shots yeah i mean okay so well there's the shot of peter's face with his mother crying in the background which is that's fine and very good Mm -hmm. but the shot of the head just Mm -hmm. like bang and now we have like this ant covered decapitated child's head uh, in stark sunlight on the side of the road is like incredible the shot of her weeping and like collapsed you know in in like a prayer position on the floor oh she actually is in the same position yeah. when she's beheaded you know i've literally never thought about that yeah. that is with yeah with gabriel Byrne like Ooh. trying to comfort her like that's an incredibly yeah. powerful shot and then it Which... pans out of the room over to peter standing in the hallway hearing his mother saying she wants to die because of his actions yeah it's an incredibly powerful shot yeah like emotionally and heavy and so then that... wait, wait, and then the funeral which is shot of the casket and pan down through the dirt which is like just a great visual mm-hmm. and then the last shot of this like sequence is her wake and it's peter looking out through like they have stained pebble glass like yeah like amber yeah, yeah. colored pebble mm-hmm. glass so it's this distorted version of the living room and then it cuts to the reverse and you see that's him looking into it but I was like, those are four, like, really, really good shots. Yeah, like, impactful. Yeah. yeah, like, oh, man. So yeah. good. Right after this, like, gut punch scene. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, you know, he knows you're definitely paying attention now. So here are some things. Oh, yeah, that's actually really smart. It's you know, great, where it's dude. like, okay, you're going to sit up and notice now, fuckers. Yeah, it's really um, smart, like, filmmaking and editing. Yeah. 
That that's okay. I never thought of it that way, and that's very cool. Him standing outside, it's almost like he wants to talk to her and be the bigger man, and then like wusses out because yeah. it's hard. Well, maybe and like, what impossible. do you say? Really? Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Just seems like flippant at that yeah. point. Yeah, it's just yeah. not. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. It doesn't cover it. Yeah, right. It yeah. seems like not even worth saying. Right. Yeah. Like why? W- it just seems offensive. Yeah. Like, it seems right? like, oh, of course even... I'm sorry. Right. right. Like, you know that I'm sorry. Like it's why? It's like how I feel anytime I've had to write anything in a condolence card. I'm really any- sorry. Anything that, like, sounds yeah. like a plot. Attitude. Yeah. Anyone who's ever had the displeasure of getting a condolence card from me knows <laughs> that I write the same thing in every yeah. every condolence card, mm-hmm. which is an old proverb that I looked up online, which is uh, you cannot prevent the birds of sorrow from flying oh over God. your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. I knew that you did that. I forgot, <laughs> and now I remember. Which I really like. I mean, I, I didn't just pick it because it's, like, whatever. I actually genuinely like it, and I like the message of it. But I put the same thing in every condolence card. <laughs> and when you said, like, yeah. condolence card, I immediately thought of, like, that being the poster for Hereditary. <laughs> it's just your handwriting it's just going... handwriting and then, like, the fucking bird head. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, there's your t-shirt. Yeah, I'm making a fake hereditary poster. (laughs) You cannot prevent the birds of sorrow from flying above your head, but you can prevent them from making a nest in your hair. Jesus Christ. Because, like, I've done something. I've never decapitated anyone or whatever. No one's ever lost a limb in my my company, but, like, I don't know Fingers don't count as limbs, right? (laughs) No, they... I I guess they do. They do, right? They're extremities. I don't know. Extremities. Anyway, doctors right in. You're a doctor. I on the internet. Oh, the, yeah. So then, whatever I say goes, and I'm saying no fingers, not limbs. They're digits. This just in: four is on four. Fingers aren't limbs. <laughs> Therefore, they're not covered by health insurance, ladies. <laughs> and now, wow. I made 40s on 4 announcer guy, like, the dude that invented fucking, like... Misogyny. Yeah, like... Yeah. No, let's turn that right around. Vagina dentata. That'll change some insurance uh, coverage. Yeah. 40s like, on 4. That's true. Sponsored by Vagina Dentata. Get in there, girls, and even the score. <laughs> oh, my God. Let him in there, girls. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Thank you. My copy Thank was you. written by a man. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, they do a, a really great callback. It's one of the, actually my favorite things in the whole movie is Peter in class and his... It's the Saving Private Ryan fucking shell shock, like, thing, like... The teacher's talking. Yeah. Just sounds like that. The teacher's just, like, droning on about whatever. Peter can't really hear it. It's the same thing. Like, he's just, like, sweating and, like, borderline about to cry and explode sitting at his desk, and he starts to, like, look up at the rearview mirror that's just floating. Yeah. And, you know, it's a visual representation that yeah. he's still thinking about it and he's still stuck he's there. He's still in that Yeah, moment. and it's just yeah. like, it's that's kind of... so fucking, like, so rough and so good. Holy shit. It's like PTSD. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. exactly yeah. PTSD. Well, I mean, it's it is. just incredible. But also, I mean, that's... But that as a visual representation is, like, just yeah. so goddamn good. But also, further proof that this family is so fucked up. Yeah, he's back in school. Who sends him back to school the next day? Yeah. yeah. No. Like, yeah. Like, no, dude. Let's try to make sure everything's back on track. Yeah. Right. Yeah, That so, this is when he's smoking weed under the bleachers and he starts well, to, like, panic oh, attack, choke. Right. And that's when Tina was like, I, I mean, think these kids are allergic to weed. <laughs> I mean, a, a, a bit before that, 
we have Annie starting to sleep in the treehouse, and we have the, the oh, Zazas, right. the, the second word is in the parents' room. Yeah, it's the parents' room. Mm, yeah. yeah. Which is the demon that allegedly haunts the Ouija board. Zazas, any, any repetitive thing like that. Zazas, Zozo, Soso, Zozo, Mimi, like all these. Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Yeah, these oh. weird words written on the wall are almost like chapter titles. Did we talk about what Santony is? Santony, no. So that is apparently a word that is used in... Uh, Scrabble. Necromancy. <laughs> Raising the dead. Yeah, and so we're starting with a funeral, and it's grandmother who's kind of like a big part of orchestrating a lot of this. And then also the chapter kind of ends with another death. Yeah, it was kind of orchestrating a a death, so we're kind of dealing with just, like, death magic. The use of that and contextualizing it that way implies that, like, it's the long game for the grandmother. The grandmother's like, oh, yeah. I'm going to die, but we're still going to conjure Paymon. Yeah. And, like, making it part of beyond the grave yeah. magic ritual yeah, yeah. joni yeah. has that whole ritual set up in her apartment yes yeah yeah. Uh-huh. where like peter's at the middle of it yeah and there's and... the person outside in the ring of fire right which yeah. may be the grandmother's spirit yeah. yeah i mean yeah. i think maybe joni is the one who took the lead after she died and was yeah. like we need a plan meet more <laughs> i'm a man witch <laughs> i'd like a man witch please <laughs> welcome back to the 40s on four Playing all the music from the 40s, the decade that it currently is. Brought to you by Man Witch. Not much to look at, but pretty good once it's in your mouth. <laughs> Alright, let's go. Annie pulls back up to the uh, grief, the grief counseling and then sort of thinks better of it and is going to leave. And a woman comes up who looks suspiciously like character actress Anne Dowd. It's she, probably because she is. She is. And she basically is like, oh, are, are you leaving? Uh, you, you're not going in. I was just about to head in. Joni's like, oh, are you doing better? Because, you know, your your mother just passed away, right? And, you know, she's like... I, I, yeah, she's I, like, you were here, like, a, a few weeks ago and stuff. And, and she's like, oh, yeah, I wasn't thinking about that. My my daughter was killed. Joan. Joan, uh, her name is. She's like, oh, well, you know, if you ever need to talk and whatever and whatever and, and leaves. If anybody... See, this is you, Tina, where this happened. You were like, is this some Rosemary's Baby shit? Mm-hmm. And I was like, it kind of is. Um... She's got mini Castavet energy. Big mini energy. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, you big... got that big mini energy. Yeah. Yo, more people should have big mini energy. I love mini Castavet so much. Yeah, and Annie's kind of whatever and kind of forgetting about it. And then she is working on a model and knocks over a thing of paint or ink. Spills yeah. and as she's mopping it up, she sees the note again. So then she contacts Joan, goes to hang out with her at Joan's apartment, and notices that she has a peculiar, like, doormat. Yes. Yeah, and she like says embroidered. And yeah. yeah. Very she, unusual looking. It looks yeah, like a pillow. Yeah. It looks like um, a pillow. It's kind of, it kind of has, like, Pennsylvania Dutch sort of-ish designs, like that yeah. kind of stuff. And yeah. it says Joni, and it's got a bunch of, like, d- designs around it. Right. You know, there's a shot of it. Like a yeah. long shot of it, and yeah. then Tony Collette kind of making a face. And when Joan invites her in, she's like, "Oh, your your doormat's very like weird. My mom used to make ones just like that." And she's like, "Oh, you don't say." Anyway, come on right in, uh, and sort of brushes off that. Yeah, Annie talks to Joan in detail about finding her daughter decapitated in the backseat of the car. And she's like, yeah, she's covered in black blood, like tar, and I couldn't see her face because it wasn't there. Yeah, her head wasn't there, so I couldn't see her face, but it was her clothes. And she's like breaking down. She's like, in her hands. Yeah, her little fingernails. 
Hmm. Um, and then she talks about the like sleepwalking and covering her kids in paint thinner and striking a match right. and Peter freaking out. And that is why that's the explanation for why their relationship is so fucked. Yes. She goes home. It's when we see Steve's making dinner and Peter comes in and stuff. Well, and then Annie is making a model. Well, and then yeah. Steve goes upstairs to get Annie for dinner and sees that she's making a model of the accident. His first line is just "Jesus Christ, Annie." Yeah, it's great. Like Gabriel Byrne doesn't have a ton to do in this, but yeah. he home runs every scene he's in because it's just like the right delivery on everything. Yeah, he comes yeah. in, he's just like "Jesus Christ." Yeah, and she's like, "What?" It's a neutral view of the accident. Yeah, this is important to my yeah. theory at the end. Is, okay. Yeah, she says like, "He's like, you know, you're not gonna let him see this, are you?" And she's like, "Who?" What do you mean, who? Yeah, exactly. And she's like, who? And he's like, Peter. And she's like, what? This isn't about assigning blame. This is a neutral view of the accident. What she's doing is making a model of the accident as we, the audience, saw it. It's the car sitting there um, with her like body poking out of the window and, and Peter in the driver's seat. Her head on the ground, blood, you know, around yeah. it. Which, like, is kind of interesting because, like, it's something it's, she didn't witness. Right, but it's yeah. basically what we saw as the audience. All the other things she makes models of are theoretically things she witnessed. Like, her mom offering to feed the baby, that model. Her mom standing in the doorway of the bedroom. Like, yeah. Thing. These are things that theoretically she witnessed yeah and was present for it's her recreating her memory of them but this was a thing that she couldn't have just did not right but, but so where did this come from yeah 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 then they go down for dinner and then yeah the big dinner blow up which is like it's really funny yeah it the more i watch being it really yeah. quiet and tense yeah, it's and quietly chewing yeah and then peter being like this dinner's really good dad and <laughs> gabriel Bird gives the best thanks buddy i've yeah. never heard in my life it's- <laughs> Thanks, well, it's champ. like it's like it's the only compliment he's ever received. He's he like, really, I am doing parenting good. Right. Like he really responds to it. Yeah. But it seems like such a, a strange timing for all of it. All of it, yeah. And that it sets uh Tony Collette yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, she's just like scowling under her plate and stuff, and then like yeah, Peter's like, something wrong, Mom? Yeah. Right, which is like are you really walking into it like that? Right. Oh, and this, absolutely. This, and this is the same guy that a oh, moment yeah. ago we were talking about was like... He thinks he has big boink energy. <laughs> oh, boy. He does not. No, no, no. You sit down with your little boink. Yeah, no. <laughs> we're not remember, here the, remember the clown wrestlers, Dink and Doink? Yeah. He barely has their energy. Yeah. Doesn't hear a little he doink. He barely has Dink energy. <laughs> he barely has Dink and Doink energy, let alone does he have big boink energy. <laughs> it's my bumper sticker. <laughs> Tony Collette, uh, yeah, yeah. Explodes. Yeah, she fucking explodes, you know. And she's great in it. I don't know if this is, like, verbatim, like, what was written, or if she's... It feels super duper in the moment and natural. Whoa. When she's yelling at him and she's like, you know... She tells him, like, you know, I, I, I don't want to talk to you and have you just fucking smirk at me. But yeah. Sneer. And I, she's like, and I just have to look at you with that fucking face on your face. Yeah. yeah, she says that face on your face, which made me lose it. It's, it's great, because it's... You know what she means... Yeah. Like, super fucking like realistic. It is. And it's funny. very genuine, but it's also funny. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah. A lot of people in my life have gotten very angry at me for not taking arguments seriously enough. Oh, you um, don't say. Yeah. Mm, it's my it's a blessing and a curse. Um uh hi Lara, if you're listening. Uh, she used to get real she... mad at me for not taking all arguments seriously and like cracking jokes in the middle of them. She's not, but maybe she will. She might. My mom also used to get mad. I remember my mom, I don't remember what the argument was about, but she was yelling at me in the hallway of the house I grew up at 
and she used the phrase, uh, she's like, you, and you don't give a flying fuck about whatever. And I'd never heard that expression before. And in my head, like a, a illustration on Sesame Street, like the word fuck, like a 3D drawing of the word fuck with like plane wings, like zoomed through my brain. And I just started laughing. And she was like, I know you're laughing. And like stormed out. And I was like, no, no, no. And I felt bad, like right. worse than getting yelled at. I was like, no, no, I'm sorry. Continue yelling. Like, I'm sorry. That was hilarious. <laughs> Oh my and God. this would have had that would have done that for me, right? Yeah. If I was Peter and she was like, with your fucking face on your face, I'd be like, right. Well, that I started laughing. I yeah. couldn't stop myself. It's really because fu- it's so tense and it's right. It's a tension really. Like it's just like perfect. Right. Yeah. It's so goddamn I don't funny know. Though. and brutal. It's funny and really upsetting yeah. at the same time. <laughs> like watching a family just disintegrate yeah. and also funny. Yeah, I don't know if this was ad-libbed or if it was, yeah. like, as written and it was just a brilliant I like the idea that she got so wrapped up in it that she screwed up the line, at, like, she flubbed yeah. it, and yeah. they left it. Yeah, or, yeah, ju- yeah just, like, went, th- like, reached and found that, like, right. yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. Basically ends with Gabriel Byrne, like, telling everybody to go to their corners. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, because she's like, you won't. Like, well, yeah. Oh, that's right. what you've done, and, and so it makes he it, throws it back at her. Well, yeah, and so she's like, so it makes it so that I'm unable to move on because you won't right, own up of what, to what you've done. Because what you've done, you know, your sister is dead. So the previous scene, her making that model, she's like, this is not about assigning blame, right. and then immediately goes downstairs and assigns blame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she starts off not point. assigning blame though. Yeah. She's like, I understand it was an accident. I understand that you feel bad. I understand that this is painful for you. But then, and I wish that I could take that pain away. Yeah. And then she says, I wish that I could take it away from you that you did, like yeah. you did this. Yeah. And then it turns into blame. Yeah, but it's an like, interesting Ooh. cycle that yeah. she goes through. Because I think that's that would be a normal person a normal mother's response. And Annie doesn't do a lot of things that are normal mother. No, she's but trying, also, but it's not really there. No. But that's or at in, least not with Peter, because like he's right. the child she didn't really want. Like but she's I, happy that she has him, but I do think yeah. that that's that's a genuine emotion that makes yeah. sense. Where it's like I want to take this pain from yes, you, but I also instinct. want you to understand that you killed my child. Right. Yeah. Like, I want you to be a good person, and a good person would have feelings about this. Right. Then we get um. <gasps> That sound's going to haunt me legit for the rest of my life. (laughs) The clucking. And he storms out. We have that back pan, almost like another dollhouse. Yeah, back to a framing that looks like the dollhouse. And and she goes to uh, Joel's art supplies. Uh, So Joan's in the parking lot and says that she went to, they at some point got like a seance leaflet. And I guess nobody went. So they decided to put the pressure on. Yeah. We need her to get this information. She sees Joan in the parking lot and Joan is standing like between cars and then just like walks up to her like, hey, I just left and I saw you. Yeah. Yeah, Well, and she like runs up to her like a long lost relative. It is the strangest way to embrace somebody in the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like very extra. She needs that fucking demon money. That demon dick. (laughs) (laughs) Big BL's a boink energy. (laughs) (laughs) BL's a boink. I can't. And now they're all broken. So... Um. Oh, <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Oh man! Oh, I 
goes down smooth. <laughs> yeah, well, that sounds right. Holy Ooh. Lord. Man, that might be our stinger. <laughs> Just leave it in of you guys. Huh, anyway. Absolutely losing your minds. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> so, in the parking lot of Joel's art supplies... Joan's like, oh, I've been to the seance. It was amazing. You know, blah, blah, blah. And she, like, takes Annie kind of back to her car. She's got a chalkboard in her trunk. Yeah, she just bought it. But so she's Mm. like, oh, my God, Annie, like, we did the seance. And, like, I could contact my grandson. And it's amazing. And I have to show you. And Annie's, like, you know, giving her a face. And she's like, no. I know. I know what that face uh, is. But you have to believe it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So she's like, you know, come back to my apartment. I'll show you and it'll be great. So they go back to her apartment and they do a whole fucking seance with like a candle lit. Yeah, well, she uh, makes it seem like the candle oh, is what does it. Yeah. Because she candle, gives her, she gives her the printout and, with and the, words. the words. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. The seance is whatever. Some kind of, you know, little spell thing. Yeah, they do a whole seance. But then seance the words like, that she gives Annie to read are yeah. what allows Paymon into the house. That's, Probably, that's yeah. That's gotta be it. She gets allegedly her grandson to move a glass and then to write on a chalkboard which she says that he used all the time as He's like, it's your chalkboard yeah, yeah. do you remember your chalkboard yeah right. um and they do a fun thing where annie looks under the table to like see like what the gag is mm. yeah but yeah it's called back but yeah and like in the middle of it she gets freaked out and she's like i'm gonna leave and you know she, she's like I, I have to go yeah. and and again jones just like what like seriously yeah. <laughs> like she's like fuck what this I has like, to work. I feel yeah. like that's a good, you know, being in the moment, even if you're trying to do a con on somebody. Because, yeah. like, yeah, it's like, but I'm talking to my grandson and he's dead. Like, this is the most amazing yeah, thing. Yeah, no, right? it's good. Well, she yeah. flips the switch quick, though. Yeah. Because she turns she around and goes, that's exactly what I did the first time I saw it. But yeah. you need to trust me. You need to try it. Yeah. yeah. Here, you know, light the candle, read these words, and then get something important to, you know, the person. Like, I used this chalkboard. And then, you know, sends her on her way. Then we see Annie in bed. She wakes up, and there are ants crawling all over Jurassic the place. Jurassic Park ants. They're, They're big, like the Biggest yeah. ants I ever saw. And uh, she follows, like, there's a trail of them. She follows them down the hall, and they go into Peter's room, climbing all over his face and pouring out of his mouth and whatever. And she just, like, looks on in horror. You hear Peter being like, Mom, what's the matter? And you realize that she was sleepwalking. And then she and Peter start having this conversation where he's like, why are you afraid of me? And she says, like, I never wanted to be your mother. And then claps her hand over her mouth. Yeah. He's like, why would he mean? So she reveals, like, I tried to have a miscarriage. And he's like, how? Which is, like, a crazy question. Um, And she's like, every way possible, I did everything that they told told me not not to do. And it's still... Yeah, I mean, he asks a series of questions and all of the... All of them are how, really. Because yeah. she says, I tried to get rid of you. I tried to not have you. Yeah. Then she says, I tried to get rid of you. And he, every, yeah. everyone, he, he answers how, her, yeah. how, how. Then they're both crying. And then they're both and covered they're both in... wet. Yeah. And then you realize it's uh, paint thinner. Yeah. Uh, because Tony Collette just, like, catches fire. You hear, like, a yeah. match strike. And she catches fire and burns up and then wakes up. And it was the whole thing was a dream within a dream. Yeah. Which is a lot, man. Yep, sure yep. is. So then she just kind of gets up and then you hear her chanting weird words. Yeah. Uh, so this is the first time I actually really caught it. Like, you, yeah. Uh, but this yeah. time I actually heard her say Paymon. Uh, yeah. Really? I couldn't make out any of the words. Yeah, I didn't, we cut I didn't to, hear Paymon. Um, but uh, cool. 
yeah, Steve in bed. Yeah. And he's asleep and, you know, she's not in bed. And yeah. you hear her. I think he, like, wakes up and looks. Yeah. And then goes back to sleep because she's been sleeping in the treehouse. So it's right, not yeah. weird that she's not in bed. He's just like, whatever. Yeah. She wakes up uh, Steve and Peter. She just wakes him up. And, you know, he's like, Mom, what's going on? And she's like, you have to come downstairs. And he's like, it's like yeah, he's like, I had a nightmare. And she doesn't seem to care. And right. I mean, like, it's like, it's fine. We're going to do a thing. Come on. Yeah. Steve really does not want to do this. No, it's the um, middle of the night. He's Gabriel yeah, Byrne. He's not It's the middle happy. of the night. It's cold downstairs. Yeah, his wife has a history of mental open. illness. This yeah. is crazy shit. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, no, we're going to do this. And, you know, it worked 20 minutes ago. And we have to all be together. And we have to all put our hands together on this glass. And, you yeah. know. So she does yeah. it. Same thing, it moves the glass. Uh, at one point, before it moves the glass, uh, Peter says, like, you don't feel that? And Steve's oh, like, yeah. what? And he goes, the air flexing, which yeah. is a cool description and detail. Yeah. She brings the book is, out. Yeah, she tries to get, like, Charlie Ghost to write in the book. Yeah. Yeah, and that's when, like, the candle erupts in, like, a column of flame. Um, like a hairspray through a Bic lighter, like, whoosh, like yeah. yeah. She gets, like, possessed. Yeah, she's, like, croaking. Charlie. She's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, Steve looks under the table to see what the gag is. Yeah, which is the callback. Yeah, and then she's Charlie and yeah. is going like, is calling for mom. And at first it's Charlie's voice. Yeah. yeah. And then it becomes Tony Collette's voice. Yeah. yeah. She's like, what's going on? Why is everyone scared? Why is everyone upset? Like, whatever. And yeah. Peter just starts crying. He's yeah. ugly crying again. Yeah. He's he, Dawson well, crying. Yeah, and he's like, went, 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 went. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great yeah it's great because <laughs> Gabriel Byrne just like cradles him into yeah. like the crook of his neck and he's just like this has to stop like whatever he throws a glass of water in her face he turns right. all the lights on yeah. and throws the water in her face and she's like wait what's happening what because that expels she's the... just like what the fuck like why did you just throw water on me yeah and he's like we have to go to bed this is fucking right nuts. this is insane as if anybody's gonna sleep now oh yeah Around here is when we see the third yeah, Liftock bit, pandemonium. Of, bit of writing in the hallway. Liftock is Hebrew for open, and pandemonium is from Latin hell or chaos. So it's basically like hell breaks loose. It's um, a pretty good misfit song. Yeah. All hell breaks loose. <laughs> sure. This is the section where shit goes down. Annie gets a call from Steve that, like, Peter freaked out at school and stuff while she's working on a thing and stuff. So, like, Steve's like, you know, oh, your son is having a hard time and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I can't. I can't deal with this right yeah. now. Yeah. And then she gets another call and she lets it go to voicemail and it's the art gallery. And I think it might actually be Ari Aster doing a cameo voice. Um, we're just going to postpone the art show and, you yeah. know, thoughts we just know, and we just know you're having a really hard time. The way that he says thoughts yeah. and prayers he's is like, so yeah. weird. He's like, thoughts and prayers. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really but like, if there's anything we could do and stuff, but so yeah, like, she's, she's like gluing a chair. Yeah, she's, and it just and, snaps it. Yeah, and she's like, goes whole ham on fucking everything. Yeah, she goes full on Godzilla. Yeah. I've always wanted well, to do this. Smashes the top of the funeral home, I guess, and then turns her rage on to other projects. Yeah, it cuts to Steve coming in, and she's just sitting on the floor amidst all the well, smashed art. So Steve and Peter both come in, and Steve asks, what's that smell? Which, it took me until, like, my third watch to catch, but yeah. Because he, that... he's in the hallway, under the attic. Uh-oh. Yep. And then Peter has, yeah, his nightmare where it starts with the click. Yeah, he's asleep, and yeah. he hears the click, it wakes him up, and he looks around, and he sees Charlie 
standing in the corner of the room and he like sits up and he's looking at her and her head falls off and rolls into the light and it's a ball of ball. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a nerf ball or something. Yeah. yeah, it's like a nerf like basketball. Yeah, or yeah. something. And the dog's at the door. The dog like Yeah, the, and the dog is like whining, whining and freaking and out. Yeah. 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 And then hands start to try and pull Peter's head yeah, off. Yeah, they reach through the headboard and grab his head and start pulling it up. It's and the all, door slams shut in the dog's face. It's yeah. all very labyrinth, though. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Like, why doesn't your head come off? <laughs> They're trying to pull off Jennifer Connelly's head and it won't come off. I really wish I could do, like, video editing. Splice I, it in, man. I would love them throwing around that fucking little girl's <laughs> ant-covered head. <laughs> David Bowie's doing the fucking uh-huh. contact juggling with the balls, but it's just like some severed heads. Big ball energy. He definitely yeah. had it. He yeah. still oh does. Oh my god. Beyond the grave. Yeah. yeah. R.I.P. That's why there's so little of it here on Earth. <laughs> he still got it He all. has all of it. Yeah. You're not getting it back. <laughs> Fair. I'm utilizing it. Checks out. I had sex with George Washington. Oh boy! Yep, he sure I did. Tell a lie. That was clearly George Washington, because <laughs> we know what he sounds like. Yeah. Hi, it's me, George Washington. <laughs> Good old George. <laughs> We're gonna cross the Delaware, and then I'm gonna be president. Meet my great Wait. great 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 grandson, Larry King. <laughs> Expand on that. I know. I can hear the suspenders on you right now. Thank you. You sound more like Gilbert Gottfried, to be honest with you. Right. (laughs) Go ahead, do your George Washington. I'm George Washington. It's fucking Gilbert Gottfried. No, it's not, because George Washington is a much lower register than this. (laughs) Exactly. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Hey, Aladdin! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, because he was the bird. Oh, Jesus! Now I want the poster for Hereditary to have Iago's head on it. She's cutting Iago's head off with scissors. Ooh, ooh, man. He's the new princess pigeon or whatever. Queen pigeon. Queen pigeon. Oh, my goodness. Um, Boy, it's a bad Gilbert Gottfried. That's fine. None of my impressions are good. Fits right in there. Welcome, Gilbert. Uh, Hands trying to pull Peter's head off. Uh, the door slams shut in the dog's face, and then Danny is in Peter's room, and yeah, he's he like, wakes up. "Yeah, he's like, you're trying to pull my head off," and she's like, "No, I wasn't." And she's so like, you're screaming, I came in. I'm not sure what who's telling the truth here. Yeah, I don't think he can be. Yeah, yeah. it's very it's, vague. It's also, on rewatches, to... it's absolutely Tony Collette's hands mm-hmm. reaching through the headboard, but right. it's also fully impossible that she was behind his headboard right she couldn't have been. no his headboard's right. against the wall right. right but so she's like telling him like you know uh something's wrong but like i'm the only one that can fix this and stuff i mean i kind of wonder if they if this cult intentionally pitted the two against each other oh absolutely yeah like to try to get peter to maybe start giving in to things that were like outside of his family he was already dissociated oh, totally. yeah, they, but... they needed him to be the weakest one yeah right. and since annie's so unstable right to begin with like right. they have to really you know he has to have no support right right so that's when we see like the notebook has like peter crying all these the hilarious drawings of his big crying face yeah, yeah. and his eyes crossed out yeah. Yeah. yeah she tries to burn it in the fireplace 
and the sleeve catches fire. Right. Spontaneously. Oh, yeah, yeah. She yeah. throws the book in, doesn't come within, like, a right. foot of the fire. Right. And then once the book catches, her sleeve catches. Yeah. And she, like, looks at the book. It spreads, like, up the spine of the book or whatever, up the, the edge of the book. And, yeah. and it, it spreads, spreads up, up her, her sleeve. Leg, and she's arm, like, oh, yeah. shit. Pulls the book out, stamps it out. Yeah. And, and the fire goes out. Yeah. At no point does she seem like she's being burned. She just no. seems like she is on fire. Yeah. It's right. just like, okay. She tries to go see Joan, and we kind of zoom into Joan's apartment. And so there's Paymon's symbol on a bunch of stuff. Peter's photo in a triangle. And there's a figurine. Yeah. Yeah, there's a figurine that Charlie was working on with the... Um, Gold Bomb Forky. Gold Bomb Forky. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a figurine tablet. with three other figurines, like, bowed down in front of it, which will be important later. There's an interesting thing, just to me, there's an interesting shot, and I don't... When Tony Collette, like, finally leaves, before we pan through the place, um, when she walks out of frame, it's kind of a, a lower shot up at her, and when she walks out of frame, you see that, like, the doorway of the apartment across, like, opposite has a security camera. Mm-hmm. out that's mm-hmm. pointing at Joan's door. Oh, I never noticed that. Yeah. And the camera's just sitting there, you know, the light's blinking, meaning it's working, but that's it. And that nothing ever comes of it, but it's an odd thing to stay focused on for like an extra second or something to yeah. where I wonder if, you know... Oh, the cult's probably watching her. Well, yeah. that's the thing, is like Joan's apartment might be that one with the camera, and this is like the staging area. Right. Yeah. You know, like or, that kind of thing. or somebody else from the cult might yeah. have the other apartment and Joan was living there briefly yeah. or anything. Yeah. Like, well, but, I mean, yeah. it could be anything. I mean, that, yeah, but, who knows? Yeah, it seems like they were trying to watch her with that, yes. What's interesting to me about that scene, she seems to really freak out once Joan doesn't answer. And it's almost like she knew what was going on inside the apartment. So that maybe also might have been her putting it together. Right. Well, I think that might have been what happened. Yeah. But it's strange mm-hmm. because we're mm-hmm. seeing the other side of the door. It does that sort of dollhouse thing. It cuts over the door. You know the scene in Taxi Driver where the... Oh, over the apartments? It goes over the apartments. Yeah. That's the feeling it gives me when they cut into the apartment. It's like you see two halves of the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on both sides of the door. Yeah. Which is an interesting metaphor just because we are. Yeah. This supports my, my big theory at the end. It does. Big it theory feels, energy. I guess it doesn't feel weird. I just can't pinpoint exactly what's happening in her brain yeah see i always read it as like she is like this fucking doormat this is my mom's doormat 100 percent. my mom made this because well, she runs right home and right. pulls the and that's the what photo she starts digging out. through the books right. and yeah she pulls out we see charles's doormat and annie's doormat right. and they're different but obviously the same person well, made them also charles's doormat is covered in triangles which and the Paymon symbol. Yep. Yeah. Are we moving to that scene? Because there is one in between of oh, I, I where, where Joan actually is, which is she's at Peter's school. Right. Peter's sitting at a lunch table outside and amid the din of like traffic because they're near like a highway and all the kids are talking and laughing and playing and being outside and whatever. You hear like Peter, Peter. And it's like it's a it's a shout, but it's not yeah. like a yell or a scream. And she's on the other side of a highway. Um, but it's cutting through to him and he like looks up and there's Joan and she's like, Peter, I expel you. Yeah. yeah. And then she says, uh, Zatony, Dagony. Dagony, a paragon. Get out. Yeah. You're just staring at her. Yeah. He's like, the fuck? Which seems very strange until you find out how this demon wants a male body. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was like, what is she expelling him from? Like right. he's outside. He's not even in yeah. a house. Yeah. Yeah. 
his own self. And I was like, does she think he's a demon? Like, I don't yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, it makes much more sense right. later with, like, yeah. with analysis. Well, with that the she's, next scene, because... Yeah, she's severing yeah. the ties between yeah. his spirit and his body. Right. Yeah, that's Annie is home looking through various books and albums and stuff. She pulls out the pillows, and there's Annie, and that's her, and then there's Charles, Charles which brother, has, yeah. and has a bunch of Paymon symbols on it, various books, and... There's yeah. one that has the Paymon symbol, like, uh... On it, but it's... Stamped it's, into the cover, but it's yeah. all written in another language, and yeah. she can't read it, and we right. can't read it. And then she's going through another book. That's the one that has the illustration, uh, The Riches to the Conjurer, yeah, and it also yep. has, a, like, a chapter, like, bookmarked with a picture... Yeah, and um, highlighting. And highlighting, yeah, of Paimon, and it's Paimon, it's like an illustration of Paimon riding on a, a donkey or something, or yeah, a camel. It's, or... Yeah, it's a classic, um, yeah. and she's going through her mom's photo album and realizes that her mom and Joan have been friends for a while. Yeah, they're both wearing the Paimon symbol necklaces, they're yeah. in all these photos with a whole bunch of other people, they're all wearing, like, you know, robes and things, then there's the photo of... Uh, of uh, Ellen getting like showered There's with like gold two, coins. Two multiple couple, photos yeah. of her, yeah, being showered with the gold coins and stuff. For whatever reason, Annie decides to go into the attic. As soon as she pulls the, uh, it's like a trap door. So yeah, when that comes down, it just flies. Yeah, and she finds a body in the corner. We know it's her dead mom. It's distended, blackened. It's rotting. Uh, it's got candles around it. Yeah, it's and got a white no like head. frock on with it's the Paymon symbol. Symbol on the pockets. Yeah. And then there's also another Paymon symbol written above it. In blood, in apparently. Blood. Yeah. yeah. We're cutting back to Peter in class. They're talking about Iphigenia. Uh, Iphigenia Doubtfire, dear. No. <laughs> Help is on the way! Help is on the way! <laughs> oh, your mother is going to cut her head off! But so they're talking about that. He's kind of zoned out. He's doing the, um, hey, remember those old Marilyn Manson videos? Yeah, uh, it's, like, sort of contortionist. Beautiful people, like, and he would, like, stick his arm out and, like, kind of, like, twitch, and mm -hmm. that's kind of what, uh, Peter's doing. His hand is up, and it's, like, twitching weirdly, and the fingers are, like, contorted weird. Yeah, and yeah we look at his face, and, like, like his eyes are all stroke. bloodshot, and, yeah, like... His face is sort of contorting in a weird way. Yeah, yeah he's, like, half-smiling. It looks like he's having a stroke or trying yeah. to express two different emotions at the same time. Yeah. Right. His head slams into the desk, and then he, like, shrieks and, like, freaks Flies out. Flies back, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he Andrew WK'd it. Party, party, party. Yeah. Party all the time. My <laughs> sister's dead. Party, party, party. He Andrew WK'd himself into a day off. So then we see Steve <laughs> driving up with uh, Peter, and Annie's, like, in the driveway. She runs up to the car. She's like, who did this to him? And he's like, he did it to himself. Get his and legs. And you said, and that's why it really hurts. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right, yeah. Your classic radio head goof. That's what really hurts. Um, like, Steve's not trying to hear her right now. He's like, just get his legs, you know, help me get yeah, him Yeah, they house. go, they lay him in the house. Yeah, like, they probably gave him something if they're going to, like, reset yeah, he, his nose, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. He, he, he's knocked out. And he, and he says to Steve, hey, listen, you have to go to the attic and see my dead mom. When he finally is like, is about to like pull the ladder down, and she's like, and there's more. And he's like, there's more than your dead mother in the attic. He's like, of course right. there is. It's a great, <laughs> yeah. like, his his line delivery is over. He's just like, yeah, okay, of course there is. Well, and he's so, like so exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he just like, had a lot 
all it's, at once. Right. Yeah, it's been it's yeah. it's been a lot. Yeah. And he comes down and he's like, There's a fucking body up there. Yeah, and he's like, Who is that? And like, you said you were at the movies and maybe you were at the movies. Yeah, and he's told like, me that a, yeah. the grave was desecrated. He, yeah, he maybe... straight up says, like, you did this. Yeah. He's yeah. like, You dug yeah, he's much. like, I think you dug up your mother's body. He's like, all those nights you were set, you said you were at the movies, you weren't at the movies, which is like, she was lying. She wasn't doing this, probably, but, and she's like, listen, I don't, and it's the same thing she told yeah. Peter, kind of like, I like, don't know what's going on, but I know how to stop it. We let something in, and that's what's after Peter. I'm going to save him, but I need your help. She thinks, she's going to burn the book, because she thinks if she burns the book, that's the link holding whatever it is she doesn't know to their home and allowing it to get at them and at Peter, so... She's going to burn the book, but she's afraid that once she throws the book in the fire, she'll also catch on fire, and then she'll pull the book out. So she needs Stephen there to make sure she doesn't pull the book back out. So she's like, you got to throw this in the fire, and then I'm going to burn. And so she's like, this is a sacrifice. Like, I'm going to die. Yeah. Does and- she tell him that? Pretty much, yeah. like she's like babbling. I know it she's to saying him. basically, she's basically saying goodbye to him. Yeah, she's yeah. babbling. But I don't, I don't know, know if she specifically he... says she's gonna catch fire, but she's right. Like, I don't it's... think he knows what's gonna happen. But I think she says like yeah. it'll kill me or yeah. something. Yeah, she's like, I need you to burn the book because I can't do it because I'm too scared. But she's clearly saying goodbye to, to him. Yeah. yeah, and he walks up to the fire and he's like, you know what, I'm not gonna do this with you. And yeah. he's, uh, he's to basically... Tina's point, he's probably about to be like, we need a divorce. Well, yeah. Also, he's. I think he's like, I'm enabling your delusions. Right. Yeah. And I won't do that anymore. And she takes the book. And out of desperation. And she's like, fine, then I'll just do it. And yeah. she throws it in and Steve catches fire. Which I still can't figure out why that happened. Yeah. So, yeah, so there isn't like a, a cause and effect with the book specifically and this. This is just like the spirit being it's able for, to strike or, when it wants. It's or also... The cult. The cult. Yeah, like, but yes, yeah, 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 yeah. malevolence. Yes. Interesting, but it's that... not. It doesn't have anything specifically to do with the book. That's what. Sure. I'm, yeah, because yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the thing. Is like, yeah. it seems like it is, but then I don't think it is. Yeah, no. I do have an alternate theory, but that's part of my theory. So okay. we'll get to that in a second. Well, it's interesting to me that when she throws the book in the first time, she very slowly ignites. Yeah, but he Faith really plan. he goes yeah. up quick and yeah. he's done. He's oh, like yeah. barbecued in oh, like yeah. two seconds. Yeah, he's like the oh, cover yeah. that Rage Against the Machine album. Oh my god. You're not wrong. So Peter wakes up, and Annie's behind him on the wall. Yeah, she's up in the corner. I was uh, like, are you watching Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, up in the corner like that. I hate that. Oh, dude. She is probably possessed. She's definitely possessed. Right, yeah. He, like starts calling for his parents and Tony Collette's like kind of like spider stalking him on the yeah. walls. Again, she's up in the top corner of the room. And when he goes downstairs, the piano has been flipped over. But yeah, you hear uh, that noise and you hear the strings being like plucked and breaking. Steve is burnt up in front of the fireplace. And again, you see Annie in like the upper left quadrant over his shoulder. He gets a feeling or hears a thing and turns not to his left, but to his right. And he looks in the closet and there is the man we mentioned earlier, a smiling blonde man grinning at Charlie at the funeral. But now he is grinning at Peter from his closet and he is naked. naked. (laughs) Completely naked. But same smile, Uh which that is honestly big boinker energy. (laughs) Sure is. It is. Naked man in the closet with that (laughs) smile on his face. That says confidence. <laughs> Nudity offends you. I don't know why you're listening to this. Yeah, I know. We're naked now. <laughs> Been naked this whole time. We will probably get dressed to take the group photo afterwards. We will yeah. think about it. But we took some very different group photos during. Um, everybody got energy. big boy energy. Yeah. <laughs> you got it, and you got it, and you got it. Forties on four, sponsored by mm. Orgies. Bring a friend. I did. 
Annie yeah. like reappears in the opposite corner from where she was. Yeah, now she's in right in front of Peter on ground level. Yeah, and runs, and at, runs him. at him. So then he like runs upstairs. <laughs> yeah, he flees. Yeah, and he runs upstairs. Which I mean, admittedly, yeah, you you would. Yeah, right? no, it's totally. either that or you instinctually punch your mom in the face. Yeah. So yeah, he flees up into the attic. Yep. Pulls the ladder up and the trapdoor in the ceiling like closes up and it cuts to upstairs and you hear her pounding on the door. Bam, 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 bam. And he's like, Mom, stop. Mom, please stop. What's going on? Please stop. And when it cuts. She's going off like Woody Woodpecker, man. You don't really think about it. Because it, no. it's like horror movie thing of yeah. like the killer outside the door pounding right. on it. Yeah. So you don't really think that it's weird. And then w- by the time you actually realize that it's in the ceiling. Yeah, it's like seven it, feet up. Yeah, right. it cuts to she is hovering on the ceiling, head butting the door. Yeah. yeah. Very similar to the way he was banging his head into the desk. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, and it's, mm. it's so fucking scary. It is. Yeah, it is. It's probably the scariest part of the movie. Yeah, it's a great shock reveal. It's yeah. got that weird, you know, the part in The Exorcist where she's walking down the steps the backwards. Crab yeah. yeah. Oh, I, wait. Or, that's okay. I only saw the extended. It's not cut. backwards. It's like upside down or something. Yeah. yeah. I forget what it is, but it's the most unsettling thing. Yeah. I saw that when I was really young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is mm. still one of the scariest images I can imagine. It's not the same components, but the it feel. has the same feel. Yeah, it's the yeah. vibe. Peter then looks around the attic and he sees where Grandma's corpse was. He doesn't know it was there, but where it was, there's the shape of a body and all the candles and all that sort of stuff, but no body. Right. Uh, But there is a photo of him with with the eyes poked out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then you start hearing blood spurting. He like slowly turns and looks up and Tony Collette is hovering in the peak of the roof. The attic roof is like arched, you know, peak. And she's hovering up there kind of like Lydia Dietz at the end of Beetlejuice, but incredibly macabre. And she is sawing her head off with piano wire. Yep. (laughs) It's awful. Yeah, it's great. And then starts going faster. Yeah, real fast. It reaches like a peak. You hear an egg timer? Yeah. And he just goes, ah, and yeah. jumps out goes, the attic ah! window. And then like, yeah, defenestrates himself into uh, some flower bushes. Yeah, the flower bed. Um, and I guess in theory he dies. And then you know. hear, but do not see. Yeah. Tony Collette finished sawing through her head and you hear her body hit the ground and her, or her head because then you see a shadow float across Peter. Well, also you see and a light. And then the blue light yeah. comes down, absorbs into his back and then he wakes up, gets up and looks and Tony Collette's body is floating towards the treehouse in which there's light coming from it and he clucks, climbs up into the treehouse and there's more cultists, some of which are naked, not all, and they're all uh, down on their hands and knees most of them foreheads down. One Jenny. guy is looking directly up the ass of Ann Dowd. Well, I don't need this. I'm character actress Ann Dowd. Yeah, yeah. Those little wooden, uh, like marionette-looking artist models that you can use to but pose. There's, there's like a life-size. Yeah, there's a one. life-size one, and on its head is Charlie's head with a crown on it. Yeah. Genuflecting at its feet are Grandma's corpse and Mom's body. Also, um, he's making the same hand sign that Jesus does in a lot of photos, but it's inverted, which is satanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Inversion of any Christian imagery. Absolutely. You see the Queen Lee photo. Oh, yeah, there's a photo of Grandma that that. says Queen Lee under it. And she puts a crown on Peter's head. Yeah, she does put a crown on him. Yeah. Joan, she's addressing Charlie in Peter's body, and it's like, I know, you know, this is a lot. 
but you're Paimon. Basically, she says, like, we brought you here so that everyone, you know, will swear fealty to us the way we have, you know, sworn it to you now and always. And then they chant, hail Paimon, hail Paimon, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Uh-huh. And the camera pulls out, and you get like a cutaway view, like one of Annie's models uh, of the attic with everyone, you know, posed in it, just against a stark black background, and that's it. Here is my theory: since we, the way we open is to pull in from a shot of the treehouse, and then pan over to the uh, model of their home, and push in through the model room of Peter's bedroom, which we see Peter sleeping in his bed in the model room, and Steve walks in to wake him up for the funeral. And we end by pulling back from this, uh, the scene to this, you know, model type scene. I think that those are the big signifiers that this is not reality since we're pushing into the model to start the film, to start the narrative, I think we're seeing a movie through the model maker's idea of events. Oh, so it was all his dying dream. Uh, No, but (laughs) I think a lot of fucked up things happened, and this is Annie's interpretation of them. It's partly her dealing with her, her grief with her mother's death, her grief over her daughter's death that is why even in her retelling of events to us there, there's all those things that she's not addressing and so so you think this is all a neutral uh when she says when she yeah. says like this is a neutral perspective on the accident well, it's clearly not, and we're shown that there that she has no neutral perspective because the uh, scene immediately following that, because she, she says it's not about yeah. assigning blame, right. the scene immediately following that, she assigns blame. Right. She's been wanting, she has blame to assign. Right. Um, so, so it's not truly neutral. It is, and, and in that scene, she's doing a model of the accident scene, which she did not witness. Right. It's inherently through her mind's eye. It's her interpretation right. of what it must have been like. So you're saying because of that, everything is what Essentially, she perceives she, it to be. Yeah. Yeah, essentially she's an unreliable narrator but she's not narrating or she's not she's obviously visually narrating, narrating right. but she's not yeah objectively narrating yeah that is okay. how we can see that's how we see what's on the other side of the door in right. in Joan's apartment is it it's her imagining what's on the other side of the door it's her paranoid possibly delusion about her mother being involved in a cult hmm. and all this stuff about her, you know, family having a history of mental, various mental illnesses. We're watching it, reading it as like, oh, people thought it was mental illnesses, but it was witchcraft. Story. When in fact, it when in fact, it's illness. a mental illness. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was kind of thinking that also. I think it's it's an interesting perspective because it could very well be her take on we we think that the the narrator more or less of this story the storyteller is omniscient but we're not considering the fact that it could be retold from somebody's perspective right we're, we don't have an active narrator right right yeah there um, is no narration there's right no, yeah so even though it seems like it's an omniscient right most films are the god's right. point of view what we might be looking at is it is from someone's pointed perspective. Every time that somebody kind of thinks she's going off the deep end, Annie, she seems to really kind of get even more wrapped up in it. This need to prove that this is really happening. Yeah. Which just actually makes it seem more like mental illness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's actually not willing to accept the possibility that maybe she's just grief stricken. Maybe things are too hard. Right. Maybe she's overwhelmed. Right. Like maybe she is response. justifiably overburdened with what's right. been happening. It's right. a lot for and anyone. And it's valid. Yeah. yeah. 
It's a lot for anyone, even if you don't have a history of overt mental illness. Exactly. Right. So what's super weird to me is while we were watching it, you kept referencing Mulholland Drive. And what Mulholland Drive does is whatever partition of the way through, David Lynch goes, I will peel back back the the curtain. curtain. Yeah. But this doesn't do that. Right. Except to show you, like, we open on the dollhouse. Like, we go from reality into the dollhouse, and then our narrative starts. And then we stop on a shot that is ambiguous at best as to whether it is reality or a dollhouse. And that's why there's so many shots that mimic dollhouse imagery, I think. Yeah. And that's why, yeah. Either impossible camera angles or very wide ones where it's a very, like, side view but full. Yeah, and and we mentioned that, like, some of the the camera effects are used to, you know, film speed and everything used to make the the exteriors look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. I think that's, I don't know, like I said, I don't think that's necessarily the right way or that there's a right or wrong, but I think that is an interesting read that didn't occur to me on the first handful of watches of this. And there's also like those there's those breaks with reality within the movie itself. Like right. we see that sleepwalking dream within a dream thing, which is where we also get backstory. So it's yeah. like how can so I think that is a clue that like you're taking this backstory from a, a dream in a delusion, you know? Right. So like but you're taking it as though like we talked about it when we talked about it. Yeah. As though that is objective reality. Like, mm. oh, she says she tried to have miscarriages and we treated that as though it were true, she just didn't actually tell Peter that. Right. But we don't know that. None of that was in even the reality of the film. But, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, I think <laughs> that is a clue that, like... Yeah. And so maybe none of this is really fully believable because it's all a delusion. The big adage in film is show, don't tell. Um, so when Tony Collette saws her head off, we just hear right. that. We don't actually see that. You know, We, we see s- some of it. Well, we see her, like, cutting her head off, yeah. sure, but we don't actually see her saw her head off. And then, despite the fact that the, you know, the blue light, which, I, you know, is Paymon or probably. is, yeah, Paymon slash Charlie's spirit mm. enters uh, Peter's body, her body still floats out to the right. treehouse, which I just, I can't make sense of. If Paymon slash Charlie is in Peter, who is moving her body? It could but I be, think like, setting up the ritual. Like, yeah, well, that's the thing is, I think it is, again, within this, like, narrative that she is constructing, she has to be dead, but she also has to be at the ritual. Just to be present. Yeah. yeah. That's my weird theory. I wrote about it on Movie John. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's... I think it's That's a, an interesting read. Yeah. I think it's an interesting read, but I think it's a valid one, too. Yeah. I think it makes the most sense. Like I said, I don't think there's a right or a wrong. I think you can read this as it is witchcraft i love a good cult movie i love spooky yeah. witch shit i love movies like this that are like hey this is cool right maybe you want to rewatch it because there's a lot here i enjoy it I've, every time i've rewatched this film i enjoy it like i've now seen it i don't know it's probably going on 10 times in about a year and change mm. but yeah i really like it every time i you know watch it there's something else yeah. that i pick up on that's like interesting to me why well, I, I told you like this was the first time i really saw like blue being yeah maybe a thing. which i didn't even catch yet which is super interesting i'm gonna look for it again the next yeah. time well and i caught it part way through i was like "Ooh, does ann dowd only wear blue no she doesn't but she does a couple of times yeah but a lot of the things that like impel annie to action are blue i yeah. think or are intended to impel her to action as well yeah since i basically already gave all my like talking points for why i like this movie and how much i like it and everything i will just go ahead and say this is a great watch for me i i recommend this movie to anybody um it's a great watch for me 
I have enjoyed it. I've watched a couple of different times. I'm generally a fan of Ari Aster. I think he does good work. And I feel like he's like the nouveau horror darling for a reason. What I'm wondering is, Tina, you got more engaged in the discussion as we went along, but you weren't that happy when we were watching it. Have you? I'm, I'm still not happy with it. Okay. Um, I will say this. <laughs> I wouldn't, I'm not going to say it's a, a hate watch. Um, I think after sitting with it a while and mm-hmm. putting more thought into it and talking it through, I think that there are really interesting layers to this movie. And I think that there are some very interesting and well thought out pieces to the plot. Uh, I think it makes for very interesting conversation. I think the direction in most of the scenes was really well done. And I think it's an interesting choice. I like the idea of making people question their own mind. Yeah. Yeah. Is this reality? Is this not reality? Right. Am I, have I gone too far off, off the cliff here? Have I gone too far over the edge or is this really happening to me? And then there's also this idea of like, well, sure. If you feel it and you see it and you smell it and you experience it, it is happening to you, isn't it? Right. So mm-hmm. what part of that is not real? Right. So that, I like those layers. Yeah. I like that thought process. That becomes very existential and very weird and very heady. Right. And I like those things. Yeah, since like, you know, the human brain is how we process everything. We process all stimuli. Right. And that tells you what you're seeing and smelling. And, yeah, and right. It's so hearing it's, it's and whatever. It's extremely thing. existential. You're yeah. going back to, you know. And, and it's existential through science. Right. Well, who decides yeah, but like, yeah, what you're, you. Yeah, you're right. going back to Descartes. Like, right. I yeah. think therefore I am. So yeah. therefore. Exactly. I think therefore if, I am possessed. Right. Well, if, but well, if who things decides... that I'm thinking are incorrect how can i know and who can say yeah right how who decides your reality who decides what's real to you yeah Yeah. and that's a that's a really profound thought and and it can it can be worth delving into especially it i like the idea of delving into it into a horror or thriller type of genre yeah because it it is kind of a scary thought yeah this idea of like is what am I is is my human experience real? So I like these ideas that come from the movie. I think it I don't think it's a great watch. I think it's close. Okay. I think it has the pieces. I don't like the way that they were put together. What I will say is I enjoyed the conversation it sparked more than I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. And thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. If you'd like to follow us uh, on the social medias, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at HWGWpodcast, or you can email us at writehatewatchgreatwatch, that's W-R-I-T-E-H-W-G-W at gmail.com, and uh, write us, I, I forget what I asked you for this time, but... Write us in with whatever. Oh, it's a doctor. Yeah, the doctor our, fingers, write in. our fingers, limbs. Our fingers, limbs. Write in and tell us what you think. And uh, with anything else, you got a question, you got a comment, you want to recommend a movie or ask us to never talk about another movie again. Maybe you want to tell me never to do the 40s on 4 voice. Guess what? Not going to happen. But you can email us. Uh, Tina, would you like to give any uh, uh, plugs to anything? No, all I plug is you. She meant that sexually, and it is fun. So, thanks for listening, everybody. Hail, pay mom. Hail Paymon! Mad Damon! Damon. <laughs> <laughs>
I can see more shades of green than any other color. It's theorized that that is because, uh, you know, we uh, came from, from jungle. jungle things. Yeah. So being able to differentiate what's a leaf and what's not a leaf is uh, super important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dope. Dope. I got those leaf, not leaf rods and cones just firing. Yeah. My ancestors fucking nailed it out of the park every day on <laughs> welcome to leaf or not leaf. <laughs> Welcome to Forties on Four. We play our favorite, uh, the, the favorite game show, Leaf or Not Leaf. It's hard to play over the radio, so you're gonna have to listen really, really hard. <laughs> Is this a leaf? You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs>